Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're source for drunken Magic the Gathering Arena content. That's right. Basically just a couple regular dudes drinking some regular beers and talking about magic, in particular, the story. Yeah, this week is our drunken Vorthos for Dominary United. Uh, It's been a long time coming. Uh, All these stories got uh, released back in September, I think, but we kind of wanted to, uh, you know, uh, get you prepared because the new ones for Brothers War are coming out soon. So if you haven't read any of these Dominary United stories, we're going to catch you up. As our listeners surely know, Drunken Forthos is always time for a silver series. So what is that? Well, here on the Arena Regulars, we rate our beers on a scale of bronze to mythic. And on that scale, silver tends to represent our macro brews. So for a silver series, we get to pit four well-known beers against each other, and then we rank them from silver four all the way up to silver one being the best rank. And then eventually, we will move to the next round of this tournament and pit the winners against each other. But for now, we're still introducing uh, new challengers. Yeah, eventually we'll get there. We'll see. Um, (laughs) I do want to say well-known beers? Maybe. Some of these beers. We're getting to ones that I don't know very well. Um, Which brings us to our first beer of the night. Um, I think I will introduce this one, I guess. Um, So we have Lowenbrow Original in front of us. Um, so this is a blue can you may have seen it's like blue and gold and it just kind of blends in with a lot of the other macro brews that you might skip over. Um, so we're going to find out if it's worth skipping or not. Um, anyway, <laughs> this is a lager from Munich, Germany and Lowenbrau stands, stands for lion's brew. Uh, so there's a picture of a little lion on it and it is 5.2%. Um, so I did a little bit of research on this. I, we like to do them in order of when they like came out or when the brewery was founded. So when I was looking things up, it does say that this brewery was founded in 1383, which is Jeez. so old, except for the fact that um, apparently in Germany, there is this German beer purity regulation that happened uh, mm-hmm. in 1516. So... Uh, it's basically saying that this beer is credited to have actually started in 1516. Uh, I think the recipe might have been tweaked at that point. I don't know a lot about that. Um, if you want to know more about that, Google it. But uh, but yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna say it's 1383 with an asterisk uh, next to it. That makes sense. My understanding yeah. of the German purity law is like you're only allowed to use these ingredients to make beer. Uh, so you can't do all the weird shit that people do uh, in over here, over here like <laughs> dunking strawberries in it or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's not even the worst. You know, strawberries. That's fine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. there are war- many worse things you could do to beer, um, which we've tasted and tried. Squid ink. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Interesting. Oh, I, I, something. I, I like that. <laughs> that sounds cool. Um, Every time I drink a beer, I'm like, I wish this were fishier. Yeah, <laughs> if, if this could taste fishier, that'd be great. Um, all right, Jeff, we have a long episode ahead of us, so we should get started. Um, perfect. So randomly, if you don't know, I don't know if we've ever announced this before, but each set of magic has a story that goes along with it. They're always released as five chapter stories. They're all released online on the Mothership website, um, wizards.whatever. Um, 
So we're going to go through that with you this week. And this one is Dominary United by Langley Hyde. Perfect. Jeff, do you want to just jump right into it? Yes. So when we jump into this story, um, the story is centered around Karn, who is a robot, essentially. <laughs> that, uh, Urza, <laughs> he probably would like that, that description, but he's a robot that uh, Urza created way back in the day. At some point, his spark ignites. He becomes a planeswalker. Um, but I, I think a little backstory is that he like created Mirrodin. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like a plane that he created somehow, and then the Phyrexians invaded that. So Karn is a little like hates Phyrexians, like and, a uh, lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he believes they're going to return and try to take over Dominaria. And everyone thinks he's crazy and is like, you just hate Phyrexians. Like, they can't planeswalk, so they can't get here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you're just being crazy, crazy old Karn. You know, yeah. Forecasting yeah, so it, the return of the Phyrexians. <laughs> yeah, so there, the little bit of the backstory is that uh, Urza created Karn, right, to be this. Um, there's something that there's a flashback that we have in the story, so it might be good to talk about it right now. Um but basically, Karn's talking to Urza, and he's saying, um, why did you give me intelligence if you do not value my personhood? And Urza's just like, oh, well, you're more valuable to me if you can react intellectually, which makes sense. Sure. I make a robot. I want that robot to be very intellectual. Fine. Uh, then Karn's like, well, then why did you make me feel pain? Because I'm a, I'm a robot. Why did, you, why did you do this to me? I have all these feelings, and I don't like it. Um, and Urza's like, well... Because people in the world are more reluctant to damage something if it causes that thing pain. So basically, I didn't give the feelings for you. I made it so other people would feel bad about hurting you. Right. I don't want them damaging my property. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and Karn's been alive for a really long time. Um, he actually got his spark from Urza's uh, Mightstone at Weakstone. And he became like, he was one of the huge planeswalkers that he's like the soren old where he can create stuff you know like the old planeswalkers before the mending who are like gods kind of so that's mm-hmm. how he created mirrodin which he called argentum or something um mm-hmm. and then he created his own robot because he's like well my creator made me and i'm gonna make my own robot who's my robot friend uh but i'm gonna do it better who he made memnark on mirrodin who then ended up calling it Mirrodin, and then he got corrupted, and and then a bunch of stuff happened, and then New Phyrexia. Anyway, this brings us to episode one, Echoes in the Dark. So Karn is in the cave of Koilos, which you may know by the the white-black pain land, um, and he's working on this excavator, uh, digging up artifacts and being, being into that stuff. Yeah, and I think... It's been a while. I have actually have read the Brothers War mm-hmm. uh, books. It's been a while. I think the Caves of Koilos is where the Phyrexians infiltrated Dominaria the first time. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's there, because he believes that if they're able to get into Dominaria, it's going to be through there. And so he's sort of hunting for uh, proof that they're on the plane. Yeah. Um, and all this is, uh, he is kind of, 
working on this excavator that um, just he builds these robots that just kind of work on it for him. And we realize that uh, he has a bunch of letters from Joy Joyra, who he's ignoring at the, this moment. And she's a little bit worried about him because Karn has a history of um, mental illness. He gets really depressed a lot because he's a robot and he just doesn't. He has he has issues with being a robot around not understanding humans completely and living for a long time and watching them die. He just gets sad, you know. It, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, but anyway, through all of this, he finds a silex, his bowl thing, um, which he thinks is really important, but he can't really read and doesn't know uh, how to activate it or use it yet. But he knows it's important. For some reason. I don't really know why. Was this from another story? Yeah, so the Silex is what Urza used at the end of... I mean, maybe this is a spoiler for, like, the Brothers War story, but uh, <laughs> it's what he used to, like... It just it blows up the whole plane, essentially, and it's what he oh. finally had to resort to to get rid of the Phyrexians was he used this Silex. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Because the whole time I'm like, what the hell is this thing? <laughs> I was like, okay. He's what's like, with the cup, man? Why are we so curious the... about this goddamn yeah. cup? <laughs> anyway, so he has this and then some other clay. Yeah. He has these other like clay tablets that he has to um, basically uh, translate. <sighs> anyway, it's important that we yeah. found those things because they're going to come back over and over again. So we found them in this cave. And I think the tablets like tell him how to use the silex is the idea uh so the instructions but they're really va- the um fragile they they are <coughs> unfired clay so they'll break just at any moment right um yeah so i think a piece of it's missing right and, yeah already and they're also thousands of years old or whatever yeah and he's also a big robot that uh i don't know breaks <laughs> things um Speaking of which, his excavator is broken. He goes to fix it. And then through that, he starts, I think, scratching on the wall or something. And then he sees a little bit of black oil dripping from the wall. That's suspicious. So basically, that's the proof he needs that, for him, that's sufficient proof that Phyrexia is here. Um, So he decides to investigate it further. And he comes across this big, like, mural of Gix. Um, Gix was like the leader of the first invasion of Dominaria for the Phyrexians, sort of like uh, Yogmoth's right hand man kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he biffed it, so I think I think Shieldred's flavor text is like Gix failed, but I will not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've seen the card uh, Cruelty of Gix, that's the tapestry we're like finding here or the. The sculpture of, of Gix uh, in the cavern that he comes across. Which, if the oil wasn't proof enough that Phyrexians are here, the big, like, <laughs> the big statue of, like, their, you know, their first leader might be uh, might be a little more convincing. <laughs> yeah, but um, uh, to note, when he was going through it to get to the other side where the oil was, uh, he kind of got, um, the cave collapsed a little bit and he got stuck inside that side. Uh so he can't exactly just take a piece of the Gix statue and, and go show people. Uh, anyway, when he's touching it, there are two acolytes of Mishra that are basically Phyrexian people who are, have, they craft themselves into be like half human, half blade robot thing. Um, 
mm-hmm. that are usually really gross. Anyway, they get really mad at him for touching this <laughs> yeah. this uh, <laughs> this wall thing and then want to attack him, uh, but he binds them up very quickly with, I don't know, some sort of metal... He, he can make metal in air. He can, like, craft whatever he wants. That's why he always grabs artifacts from outside the game because he just kind of... He can just make yeah, things. Them. He just makes them. So he made some restraints. Yeah, he, he wrecks these, these people, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he does not kill them because he no. is no longer a killing machine. Yes, like he once was. Um, actually, he's back and forth about that because he, like killed a bunch of people when he was first made and then he felt bad about it and then he vowed never to kill people and then his friends got hurt because he wouldn't take that extra step to stop evil so now he's in the normal place of i try not to kill people but if i have to i will he's in that kind of place yeah if Um, i kill a few bad guys you know whatever yeah uh anyway uh because he didn't kill them they end up screaming while he's investigating this whole place which by the way is the entire operation base camp for the invasion of Dominaria by the Phyrexians full of airships and armies and, uh, well, Shieldred's body that is hanging from Mm -hmm. the ceiling. I think that's what tells you it's like the main base of operations, the fact that Shieldred's there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, they have like a bunch of people completing other people, so like grafting them with metal and stuff. Uh, to make them better, allegedly. Mm-hmm. And Karn just kind of, sort of just like stumbles right into this thing. And he was trying to be, I, I forget kind of how, but he was trying to be somewhat stealthy. But the people he left alive, like somehow got out of their bond, bonds and started blowing a horn. <laughs> like you didn't check yeah. them for a horn, man. Like, <laughs> I thought they were just stuff. screaming. Why didn't you take their stuff? <laughs> I was like, why? No, I think it says at one point she's like blowing a horn. Maybe I'm making that uh, up. But that's, I mean, I have that possible. distinct image in my head. <laughs> like, why like, would what? you leave her with a horn? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, so we do come to our first story spotlight card, which is Shieldred's Restoration where she is hanging from these uh, kind of ropes. And um, there's a bunch of acolytes around here that are like, trying to put her back together and worshiping her body. Because uh, So this is one thing I want to bring up. Planeswalkers can't go through the blind eternities, which is what the space is between planes. So between Dominaria and Theros and Kaladesh, there's the blind eternities. Um, however, what is she the only one that got fucked up from the blind eternities? getting here because that didn't happen to all the other praetors we've met. Right. They were all fine. Vorinclex <laughs> was fine. What, what's his face? Blue dude was fine. And Urabrask, who was barely in the story was also fine. So I think there maybe is some mention that they like take on bodies from that plane. Like they, they have to find like a host body there and infect it. And then uh, turn into it. So from maybe there? It's, they can't like transport their body across the blind eternities, just like their essence or something. I don't know. Well, because we know that the planar bridge will help non-planeswalkers go through the blind eternities, and Tezzeret <coughs> was the one who was in charge of it during the War of the Spark. So maybe he was helping with the planar bridge for Kamigawa stuff, and I don't know. Um, but anyway, right. it seems like a huge plot point in this one that. Shieldred got real fucked up and all of her 
all her mechanical pieces are still intact, but all her fleshy bits are gone because the blind eternities destroyed the fleshy stuff. Apparently, yeah, maybe Shieldred just sucks. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe Shieldred like does the suck. worst breaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Heard we have first, folks, stop playing Shieldred. <laughs> we have this uh, legendary creature who is helping restore Shieldred, which is Rona, our blue black weird. <gasps> uh, yeah, creature that, uh, you know, cares about incense and sorceries is putting her back together and she's got her laser eye. Um, oh, whoa, my gosh. Oh, no, Rona's been completed. I don't really know who Rona is. I like, I didn't read the pre- the Dominaria previous story, I don't think. So yeah. So I don't know if this is supposed to be like a meaningful completion. I don't know. I, I think she was bad in the other one. I can't really remember. I don't think she was on the weather light, okay. <laughs> so I think she's just... So it's um, just sort of like, a, makes sense that this evil chick would side with the friend. That's That's what I was thinking. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, anyway, there is the becomes like a huge uh, battle uh, between him and Rona, and then it comes into question whether he should kill Rona or not, because he is... Karn, he's made out of like... What is it? Um, Thran steel. He's really strong. Thran uh, steel. Yeah. yeah, a lot of things can't destroy him, so he tends to be able to like just walk through people. Through all of that earlier, he fought a bunch of like acolytes, and it wasn't a problem at all. One of them did stab him in his like joint and broke a spearhead off. Mm-hmm. But he's like, he can feel it moving around in his body. But he's like, oh, I'll, I'll just get that later. Like it's fine. I, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't actually like do anything. It just sort yeah. of annoys him. Yeah, maybe maybe restricts movement if it gets lodged in the right place. But mm-hmm. yeah, I like that just that scene when he just all these acolytes like run up with like axes and shit. <laughs> he just doesn't care and just like, like no. just walks through and punches them away and like, throws <laughs> them at each other. <laughs> They're like stabbing him with stuff, and he's like, no, breaks the thing off, eats the spear, basically pushes him off a cliff. Man, if me and my buddies are charging something and it like the thing grabs one of my friends, throws it at the other one and they go plummeting off a cliff, like I'm out of there. That's all yeah, I'm saying. I'm, I'm not charging them anymore. <laughs> yeah. I'll probably just jump off because I know it's going to happen no matter what. Um, <laughs> yeah, save some time. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he's basically doing the same thing to Rona. Um, she doesn't put up that much of a fight. Uh, however, he does keep her alive, even though she kind of says like a whole thing of, oh, should you do that or not? And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm not going to kill you. And then as he's walking over to, to kill Shieldred and rip her apart, because she's not really conscious at this moment. Um, he gets stuck yeah, in like weakened. this. He gets stuck in like this magic spell trap that Rona set because she's still alive. So it was another, hey, remember those people you didn't kill earlier? Well, they ruined your plan. And remember this person you just didn't kill? She also ruined your plan. <laughs> Um, so maybe the story, the moral of the story is twice in a row, buddy. (laughs) Instantly, you know, uh, Karin, start killing some people. You got to help us out a bit. That would have made the story a lot shorter. Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyway, because of that, uh, he's trapped in this magical, I don't know, stasis thing. He can't move. And, uh, they all evacuate. Mm -hmm. Rona takes all the airships and shielded and every single thing. And they leave the cave. And it uh, collapses uh, all around him, and he's buried alive. Rona is pretty fucked up, though. Like, she oh, she didn't, he didn't kill her, but mm-hmm. she uh, she can she, like barely walk. She was leaking. All of her her metal eyes broken, and yeah, she's leaking blood and oil everywhere. 
Yeah, but I think she doesn't she just like take the the eye out and just put in another one like as she's talking. I think so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, trick. Yeah. Uh, so we end our, our chapter one as Karn is covered in giant boulders stuck in earth, wondering if he's going to be rescued. Classic move. He didn't actually tell anyone where he was going. Yes. So he's just like in the caves of Coilus alone. He didn't tell anyone. And the caves of Coilus have now collapsed on him and he cannot move. So you're saying that he's actually James Franco in 127 hours? Where exactly? Yeah, <laughs> his arm is stuck, and he and he can't he can't break it off or cut it yeah. off because he's made out of Thran steel. That's the problem. Uh. And just to top things off, he has like a an arrowhead in his armpit. Yeah, that's just like <laughs> irritating. Just just to be extra annoying. Yeah, just this annoying thing. Um, so yeah, the moral of the story. The other moral of the story. First. Kill your enemies. Second, if you go on a hike, yeah, tell yeah. someone where you're going. There you go. Yeah. Episode one is very pro-murder. Mm-hmm. Pro, pro-murder. Mm-hmm. Um, which they should have done to him because he's going to, you know, he's going to get out of this. I have a feeling. Yeah. Same mistake over and over again. Yeah. On both sides. Oh, also during his, all of the, the talk about um, the invasion and everything, Karn, uh, figures out that um i think rona is starting to talk about how they've already kind of invaded dominaria and this is the first time we hear about the sleeper agents and that uh at any moment everyone can kind of wake up and be be completed phyrexians and um start killing people so this starts karn's journey of who is a sleeper agent who is a phyrexian um i need to figure out that's like part of everything else he's going to be doing throughout the story. So thanks, Rona, for giving us that yeah. important information. It's classic bad guy telling us, like, their whole plan for no mm-hmm. real reason, and the plan has been kept a secret up till now. Yeah. And, like, definitely would benefit from remaining a secret, but they tell yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Karn's just stuck in the rubble. It's fine. <sighs> Which will bring us to episode number two, Sand in the Hourglass. We pick up with, essentially, Karn getting rescued. Um, the boulders above him start moving, the dust settles, and finally he's like, oh, I think I'm being rescued. He's able to push himself up. When he gets up, it is none other than a Johnny who saved him. So, naturally, Karn's question is, I didn't tell anyone where I was going. How did you know I was here? So, basically, the letters that Karn was getting from Joyra... She put a spell on them so that every time they were moved, she would be notified. So basically, as Karn has a messy desk or on his whatever, he moves, he picks up the letters, moves them, he opens them, he reads them, all that kind of stuff. Every time they moved, at least Joy, 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 what? Joyra? Wow. Joyra, um, <laughs> Joyra would know that Karn was alive. Um, and she also had a spell on it that would basically tell her if he read the messages. So she put on that uh <laughs> the text message she yeah. was left on red a lot but she added it to his phone yeah. instead of him putting it on for other people she's sitting there like that son of a bitch has read my letters he's what read the hell? I know that. where's mine where's my fucking letter um so anyway she's because you know they used to be really good friends on the 
the weather light and all that and and uh well it's just been strained uh for multiple reasons but anyway uh once the letter stopped moving around she got worried so a johnny came out to go help him and they all assumed well where could karn be probably in the cave of Coilos looking for the for the phyrexians because <laughs> crazy old karn and his phyrexian invasions i wonder yeah, where that's, he is yeah, that's where he is uh, so they found him, and it's been a few months there, he's guessing. They, neither of them really know, because they're like, when did you get uh, trapped? And Karn's like, oh, I don't know. I've been out here for so long, and I don't go to sleep, mm-hmm. so I just up all the time. I have no idea, really, how long I've been here. It's like, cool. Great, great, great. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they go back to the encampment, and Karn makes sure to not tell a Johnny about the Silex that he has it. He wants to keep it a secret. Because he's already worried about sleeper agents, and we already get it planted in our mind that no one is safe, and a Johnny's the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did this. It seems like, <laughs> well, spoiler alert, we all know a Johnny is the sleeper I a, agent. I think it's a red herring. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is also the point where we find out there's a, a whole beat about how a Johnny smiles without his teeth, because um, if you're a Leonin. Your teeth are like your weapon, so it's like cats and dogs, right? So if you don't show your teeth, then you're not menacing. So he smiles without his teeth. I wonder if that's going to come up later and be important. <laughs> uh, but they're going to go to this this peace summit. So Jeff, where are they going? Yeah, the peace summit between the Keldon and the Benalish. So the Keldon are like the warlords. The Benalish are, I think, human, um, like knightly kind of thing and so they basically just like planes walk right into the middle of this peace negotiation <laughs> between yeah. the two uh tribes just yeah oh bop, we're here yeah <laughs> done um i did forget sorry um before that obviously the important part is karn told ajani about the phyrexians and that they're gonna come and um right there's there's this whole bit while they're talking that karn is trying to take the spearhead out of his wherever it is his armpit or his back or i can't remember where um, mm-hmm. and he just, he can't get it and his fingers are too big and he's being really frustrated. He's like, it's irritating him and he just can't grab it. And then a Johnny kind of pushes him aside and, and pulls it out with his claws, which I, I liked, I liked this, this moment was nice. It was, uh, mm-hmm. it, it just felt reminiscent of the fable about the lion who has the thorn in its paw and he needs a mouse to help him pull it out and they're friends, even though they shouldn't be friends. Uh, it felt a little bit like that. Not exactly, but it, it, it kind of like... But the lion's pulling it out this time. I know. So it was a little switcheroo. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, it, 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 there, the, this, these first couple uh, episodes had some, some nice story things or writing things to me I liked. Um, so I did enjoy the writing. And I, in those I, I like how Johnny... So the arrowhead is like has the symbol of Mishra on it or something. It has like... It, it's clear that it's from the disciples of Mishra. Mm-hmm. And he thinks this will be more than enough proof to show that the Phyrexians are here. I'm like, what? That's not even Phyrexian. It's like the humans it, made that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it could have just been on the ground from forever ago, which it probably was. Yeah, who knows where you got that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, what? Yeah, old arrowhead in a cave. yeah that'll seal the deal (laughs) we also know that so they decided to planeswalk to this peace summit um but uh earlier ajani's like oh i can just call the weather light with this like uh device thing it's like a communicator 
uh, that he has. Mm-hmm. And Karn's like, no, 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 we got a planeswalk because I'll be faster. And I just want to say, thank God they use this in the story because why do we never have stories where the planeswalkers are planeswalking through different places to the same plane? It's always like, right. oh, it takes too much energy. We have to walk or we have to take the thing or this. We have to get on the boat or uh, it's going to be f- two weeks or whatever. It's like people are always too far away. It's like just planeswalk there. You're a planeswalker. I just, <laughs> I, I just feel yeah. like we could have used this device in a lot of other stories and it would have been very useful. Uh, so I'm glad we used it in this one because God, just keep it up, man. It's, it shouldn't be that hard. <laughs> yeah, I get that like if you just planeswalk anywhere, it could trivialize some stories. So you have to like make up reasons why they wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of reminds me of Harry Potter. They're just like, oh, you just can't apparate here because that would trivialize my story. So uh, it, it's not allowed. Um, yeah. <laughs> except uh, Dumbledore care because he's the best. Uh, yeah, because like, he made the spell. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's definitely whatever, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, and that's what I feel like most of the time. Where it's like, just planeswalk to that place if you've been there before. If you haven't been there before, maybe it's harder to planeswalk. I don't know, but just do that. Yeah. I'm tired of you trying to explain the journey that they wanted to get this. Who cares? I don't care. It's, I'm just go like to the six place. months. You know, to, yeah. Riding on horseback or something. It's just fucking planeswalk just, there. Just planeswalk there. Yeah. So thank God we do this. I was glad they had that too. I was like, yes, because I was worried. They're like, let's call the weather light and we'll be there in months. And yeah, we got to. <laughs> especially because we're going to like get on the weather like, light. That. Let's just planeswalk. Yeah. Um, anyway, so <laughs> moral of the story. Moral, I'm going to say that way too many times. That's not the moral of the story. Um, <laughs> so many morals. <laughs> there's so many morals on this story. Uh, so we go to the Peace Summit, and right when they arrive, um, of course, Joda and Jaya both planeswalk there almost immediately after. Uh, and they're like, oh, hey, look, look at what are you guys doing here? That's so weird. We're about to do this Peace Summit thing between the, the Keld and the Benelish. And uh, so they're like yeah. chit-chatting. But so Joda doesn't this... actually planeswalk, though. He opens portals or something because he's not Oh, right. Right, right, right. Well, yeah. he basically can it's it's what we're yeah what we're how we're planes walking through this this plane they're doing the same thing but yes Joda opens portals uh, so he can planes walk with other people very easily sorry he doesn't planes walk you're right no you can't leave Dominaria I don't yes think. Uh, I think that's right yeah um and they're all kind of like chit chatting about whatever and of course Johnny gets right to it the planes or the planeswalkers are invading. <laughs> The Fyre- are invading. <laughs> oh my god uh the phyrexians are trying to thwart the phyrexian invasion i mean uh the phyrexians are invading <laughs> so the phyrexians are invading and joda uh is super old and has been around forever and doesn't believe him thinks he knows everything he's kind of annoying um until maybe the end joda's kind of a weenie in this story he's irritating um but anyway they they do talk later a little bit about about how the way he talks reminds Karn of um, Urza. So I don't know a ton about Urza, but apparently he's the worst. Um, and what I've read him, how he talks to people, he does seem like a fucking asshole. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's a dick. Yeah. So Joe does like a dick light, you know. Instead of 5%, yeah. he's like 4 <laughs> He's 4%. He's a little dick. Um, he's a little dick. Um Anyway, 
he kind of pushes off everything. No, Ajani, the fire extends are not coming. They're never coming back to Dominaria. It's never going to happen. Ajani throws the spearhead on the table like, this is proof. They're fucking here. And Joda's like, no, I've seen, you know, artifacts of, you know, the acolytes of Mishra before. This is not anything. Can I get on with my right. peace summit now? And they're like, trust us. It's like the one time I agree with Joda. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't prove anything. Um, and they basically say like, we need to go looking for the Phyrexians because their base camp, they left it and they told us we have a bunch of other base camps. Good luck finding us. And Joda's like, well, cool. So you don't know where it is. Let's not go look for something we don't know and work together to get the Keldon and the Benelish to be friends so that they can help us fight the Phyrexians if they're even here. Which makes sense. Okay, I just called him a little dick, but that made sense. I I, I did agree with him um, on that one. Yeah, the one thing that throws me off is just how certain he is that the Phyrexians can't travel through the Blind Eternities, even though mm-hmm. they, they did it in the past. He's like, no, that changed. They can't do that anymore. It's like, well, they figured it out once. Why would it be so ludicrous that they could figure it out again? Yeah, it's probably because he can't go through the blind eternity, so he thinks that no one else would be able to figure it out besides a planeswalker. He's like that arrogant, you know? He's like, well, if you could go, if someone could figure it out, I would have figured it out, so... I'd be there. I'd be there already. Yeah, I actually, no, I think that checks out. Great, so they're um, gonna do that, and uh, Karin and Ajani basically get escorted back to their guest quarters to be like, all right, now, go fuck off, and... Uh, get out of our way yeah. as we do our peace summit because it's very fragile the 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 strife between these two people is very intense and so they're really worried that this isn't going to go well everything that i've seen from the Keldon the benelish in the story at all points they always seem very um i don't know nice to each other yeah super amicable throughout <laughs> yes the whole very very amicable <laughs> so we're in their guest quarters again uh karn wants to go and like fiddle with the silex but he's worried he just wants to make sure it's in a safe place but he wants to do something with it but a johnny's around so he can't uh so instead he makes a scrying device so that he can go spy on joyra to see how she's doing to make sure that she's okay and while he's also doing that, he takes uh, a Johnny's like uh, weather light communicator thing and makes another one so he can have one. And he wears it around his neck as a necklace, but he makes sure to tell us that he wouldn't normally wear something like this. Yeah, there's a lot of like weird like, oh, Karn doesn't feel this because he's a robot. But Karn mm-hmm. does feel this because he was programmed to feel it. It's like it feels yeah. somewhat arbitrary at certain times what what human like features Karn has and what human-like stuff he just can't understand yeah i do wonder why he wears like clothes because um in all of his planeswalker cards he has like his little robe thing that covers the bottom half of his body but in karn liberated Mm -hmm. he doesn't wear any clothes he's just liberated also karn silver golem i think no clothes yeah so when when was the point he started wearing clothes when he got the spark from uh venser is that when he started wearing clothes? Maybe. Maybe it's Venser's fashion coming coming into Karn's mind somehow. Could, could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Karn's always covering himself up, even though he's a big Ken doll. We are introduced to, spoiler alert, 
the story spotlights are really boring for this <laughs> set. So the story sp- <laughs> <laughs> the the story spotlight <laughs> for uh, for this is Silver Scrutiny, which is that remaking children wasn't wasn't that bad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Silver Scrutiny is like that uh, X blue blue. Source, instant sorcery thing that you use cry and draw stuff or whatever. Oh, yeah, right. No, you just draw cards. Anyway, it just seems like a weird... Hey, he made a scrying thing. <laughs> he made a scrying yeah. device, yeah. Uh, he uses it a few times, uh, but it's important that he can't see Phyrexians in the, silv- the scrying thing because that would tell him where the Phyrexians are, which is what he wants to know so he can convince Joda to go attack them. So for story reasons, for some reason, he can't see. Yeah. Phyrexians. For for reasons the scrying device doesn't work on Phyrexians. Yeah. It's mainly his way to spy on Joyra and be like a not a creep about it. But yeah, it's a little, a little creepy, but Yeah, a little bit, but we know that he has no real sexual feelings, and we already know he's a Kendall, so <laughs> not really worried about Karn with the with the ladies. But does Venser? That's the question. Oh yeah, maybe Venser's uh spark <laughs> gave gave Karn some something. <laughs> I guess it's the next day, and uh, Rada and Aaron. So Rada leads the Keld. We know her. Aaron Capuchin leads the Benalish, Benalish, I think. Um, and right as they're about to sign the peace treaty, uh, Teferi Plains walks in and ruins everything. Yeah. The only thing I'll say about the night before is Karn takes a bit of a midnight stroll. Like I think this is when he hides the Silex, right? Oh, uh, you're right. You're right, you're right. Yes. So that night after they get, like, you know, relinquished to their... Get kicked out and they have to go to their quarters. Uh, once Ajani leaves him alone, he scries on Joyra, but then he goes to Joyra's workshop and hides the Silex there. Yes. Um, but actually, I think... That's, like, that, important because only he knows that it's there. I think that happens right after the Teferi thing. But yes, that does happen. So he... because oh, it's gonna, after Teferi. Okay. Yeah. Because then he's going to run into somebody. Um, but he does, through finding out the stuff with Teferi, know he needs to hide the Silex somewhere because he gets it's scarier than he imagined because Teferi comes in to tell us that Tamio has been compromised and completed because he found this out when he went to fight, uh, Kamigawa just just for his... Right. For root, yeah. his routine. But anyways, Teferi comes in and Teferi's like, hey, Phyrexians are here. They can travel through the blind eternities. And everyone's like... <gasps> Oh my God! Let's believe Teferi. Yeah, and Karn's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Every time I <laughs> just said that." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone ever believe me? It's super hurt. I didn't know this, but if it, apparently Teferi used to be like a big bully to Karn. Mm. Teferi was one of Urza's students and knew Urza before Karn was created, and so Urza created Karn, and Teferi would make fun of him and like being like, "You're just a dumb robot. You're not a human. Fuck you." And he's like, kick him and shit. And then... <laughs> yeah, like, that's in the Brothers War books, actually. Teferi's like a kid at the school. And Karn is also kind of at the school, but not really. Um, but yeah, Teferi makes fun of him. <laughs> yeah, he's just like... <laughs> Teferi bullies him, for sure. Yeah, I had no idea. So anyway, <laughs> Teferi, um, kind of a bully. Uh, so they don't have the best relationship. I thought they were BFFs, but... Uh, but no, so he's like, wow, fucking, why do they always, you know, care about what Teferi says and not me? Uh, this also pushes the peace treaty to later because it makes uh, them want to re to look at the fine print again. So, oops, that's bad. Yeah, for some reason, a new enemy, they're like, let's not stop fighting each other. I'm not signing this. 
Like, yeah, that is, it doesn't make any sense. It's always like whenever you have a common enemy, you come together and fight it. That happens all the time. Well, how is... I just don't right. understand the reasoning behind this. And to fairies, they're like Phyrexians, Phyrexians, and Joda's like, cut it out, cut it out, cut and it out. Stop. They're about to yeah, sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just don't get why they wouldn't sign it after that. It makes... No, this is know. an extra reason to sign that treaty. Exactly. Um, anyway, so then after this happens... Uh, Karn is looking through his scry thing again and sees uh, Joyra and is thinking, oh, this would be a great place to keep um, the Silex, which then he goes and does. Um, but on his way back, when he's uh, planes walking back, he pops up in just a random spot thinking that he's fine, doesn't realize that Sten is right next to him. So Sten, earlier, he's like one of Joda's pupils, and uh, he's been trying to tell Joda for months that the Phyrexians are here and he's really worried about them. And so he was kind of tasked to like go find Phyrexian sleeper agents, which it seems like a Joda's like, eh, okay, go do your, that fucking thing. But I think it was actually like the, the king that tells him to. Oh, that. right. It was king, king Darian. Oh, you're, it was King Darian. Darian. Um, the 80 something. But we learned sort of at this point that a Phyrexian sleeper agent wouldn't know that they're a Phyrexian sleeper agent. Oh, good that's call. like the, the main thing that Sten tells Karn is like as a means of hiding them better, they don't even know themselves. So there's really like no way to discern who's a sleeper agent because they'll act totally normally. Mm -hmm. And they, it's not like they're lying to you because they don't even know. Yeah. They have to wait to get like triggered. Um, you're right. This is really important information because we're going to, uh, go hunting for, for sleeper agents soon. It is the next day. And uh, we finally get some bad jokes. Um, I think I was pretty happy with this story overall just because the amount of shitty jokes was really to a minimum because Karn was our main character and he doesn't joke. Um, which I was we, missing them. I was like, where really? are my garbage jokes? That's, uh, that's the See, reason I read these stories. <laughs> I felt a lot better because I was like, thank God Chandra's not here or there's like someone isn't writing to fairy yeah. like horribly or something. Um, he, they're not trying to make some time Time jokes with Teferi, like, no, just... Time like, joke, yeah. Just stop. <laughs> so that was good, but Jaya in our story plays the role of the bad joke person, our Spider-Man, if mm -hmm. you will. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, she makes some bad joke about caffeine that she thinks that uh, Johnny and, and Karn should drink it, and they both say, oh, we know what caffeine is and we don't like it or something. I don't know. Anyway, really dumb. But they're at the Peace Summit again for the third time, <laughs> Trying to get these fucking people to yeah. sign this stinking thing. <laughs> All of a sudden, Karn just decides he's going to announce to everyone that he has the Silex and he, he's going to destroy the Phyrexians, whether you want him to or not. And this is, seems strange to me because he was trying to keep this information very secret. I guess no, because this is the time where he doesn't have it physically on him. He hid it somewhere, so now he feels comfortable saying right. that he has it. Yeah, uh, now so that, that he's hidden it in a location that only he knows, he's like, okay, now I'll tell you about the Silex. Yeah. It's sort of, blur he sort of just blurts it out. They're still talking about, like, peace treaties. And he's like, I'm going to destroy the Phyrexians. <laughs> and they're like, what? Well, what? <laughs> and still talking about that? While he's doing that, uh, there's, like, a seagull lands on the window. And then this little bird, this, like, robin thing that he had seen randomly earlier in the story. I don't really remember when it was, but mm -hmm. he just like saw a bird and he's like, wait a second. 
is that the same bird from before? And as he's talking about the silex, the bird isn't like pecking at the window to eat seed or whatever. So Karn just snatches it and squishes mm-hmm. it into it in his hand, <laughs> which seems like a psycho thing to do. <laughs> Until we find out. If he's out wrong. If he's wrong. crazy. Yeah, but Jeff, what is it? It's a Phyrexian. So he gets like black oil all over his hands and these tentacles like jump out of the bird's body and start like latching onto him. These like oily sort of Phyrexian tentacle things. Um, yeah, and everyone's like, they really are here. What the fuck? That bird? And then it like jumps off of his hand and goes on the wall and then they try to shoot it with stuff. And then I, I think a Johnny like stabs it with his claw and then Card makes a bird cage out of thin air because he can. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they throw it into right. there. Um, and now they have evidence. This is better than a spearhead. This is real evidence the Phyrexians are here. This is a Phyrexian. So yes, it's a Phyrexian evidence. It's, yeah, I think it's pretty good, and it's not technically dead. It still kind of squirms and like melts and stuff. Um, so they go right up to Joda and slam it on the desk, and they're like, "Look, the Phyrexians are here. It's real." And Joda's like, <gasps> "And at that exact moment, boom! Three Benelish soldiers just burst into their sleeper agent forms and start just attacking everybody." Um, which would be mm-hmm. very shocking um, if you're just like, look at this thing. What the fuck? They're here right now. <laughs> and, um, yeah. <laughs> Especially if they were your buddies, you know. Yeah, so we're moving into... Uh, Jeff, I had talked to you about this before randomly at a time where I said uh, that I understood the Eldrazi more after watching the movie The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. I have now decided that, no, the, the Eldrazi are not as good of a representation as this story is, the sleeper agent story. is It's, mm-hmm. it's the plot from the thing, and they just put it into this story. Because the whole point is that there is a thing that goes around and turns your friends into it, and you don't know who is it and who isn't, and they don't know they are it or not. And until something just happens and then they burst into some weird form and start trying to morph into everybody else. Um, Very horror, very gross. This is almost exactly the same. So we're moving into Hmm. the the thing portion of the story, which is great, actually. The Thing is a very good movie. I like it a lot. So this is, I was like, sick. We are immediately starting to fight all these sleeper agents that are coming after us. Uh, and Jaya is burning people as Jaya does. And Joda is protecting uh, everybody who he can with a protective shield, which brings us to our story spotlight. Protect the negotiators. Which is our counterspell. Yeah. Another riveting spotlight, story spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this this one's good because it's an actual event that happens as opposed to a thing that's not even a thing. It's sort of random. Like, it's just like, oh, a few sleeper agents, like, pop out. They sort of dispose of them pretty easily. I think, like, one of them starts running away. And then a Johnny, like, chases him down. Yeah. Um, it, like, jumps off the balcony. And a Johnny's like, I'm going too, and jumps off. And then Karn says, I'm too heavy yeah. to walk on the balcony or something. And then Teferi's like, yeah, yeah, me yeah, too. Yeah, Karn can't follow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they just, they just I'm also too heavy. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> so they just let him go. And then uh, as that's happening, Joda like um, 
is trying to find a safe place for all of them to go. And so he is waiting for portals and they ask Sten, where, what's the safest place we could go to? And he says, Argivia, the, the, the tower, go there. That's the safest place we could be. And so they all jump through the portal that Joda has made and they go to the, the tower and escape. Yeah. And like Jaya blasts the room with fire right before they all jump into the portal and get out of there to kill those Phyrexians. Yeah, which they think they killed them. Though, when they get to the other side, there seems to be a shadow that seems to be running around. And Karn believes in the tower that they're in, there is a Phyrexian somewhere. And they're going to have to find it. Dun, dun, dun. Cliffhanger. Uh, and that is the end of episode two of our story. Uh, but Jeff, I think this is a great time to take a beer break. Agreed. Alrighty. Up next, we have uh, Hacker Shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, not totally sure how to pronounce that. It is a Keller beer. This is from Germany. It's an unfiltered lager. Um, yeah, honestly, I think this is the one that we were bringing tonight that I've never actually tried before. It might be the first in our Silver series that I've never actually tried. I... Found this one. I think their flagship beer is actually their Weiss beer. So their Keller beer is one I haven't ever really seen. Um, but I don't even know if I've tried the Weiss beer, honestly. Uh, so it's fun. Hey, look at this. <laughs> Get to try different things. This beer is 5.5% and the founding year, it's another one of those weird things because it's from Germany where the founding year is 1417 for the brewery. But... It says that they've been making this beer since 1516 because of the German beer purity regulation. Um, right. It even says right on the can, Bavarian purity law since yeah. 1516. So that's a bit easier to understand because then they also have a symbol at the top that says 1417. So I like th- how clear this, this can is. Um, thank you for your help. I like when it tells me information about I'm a little curious about why, why so much of the can is in, I mean, I'm assuming it's Russian. Mm-hmm. But it's in the Cyrillic alphabet. It's like almost like there's a little bit of English mm-hmm. and then a little bit of German and then a ton of, again, probably Russian. But <laughs> who knows? All I know is that episode three is called The Locked Tower. This is the worst episode. I, I agree it's the worst, but it's the most like the thing. So then I liked that, basically. I see. <laughs> it will be the easiest to talk about um, because uh, the same event happens over and over again. We are, we have, these are the characters we have. So we have Karn, Jaya, Joda, Sten, and Teferi, who are all locked in the Argivian Tower. Uh, and Karn for whatever reason, is the one who can unlock us from the tower. I don't exactly know why, but we know that Karn's the only one who can open it. Do you remember why? Yeah, so Sten has the key, and Sten gives it to Karn. And the reason is that Karn is, for whatever reason, incorruptible by the Phyrexians. Like, something to do with his spark or his work in Mirrodin makes him immune to the Phyrexian corruption yeah and which so is, he's the only one they know for sure is not a sleeper agent yeah i don't know if it's something that happened because he was corrupted at one point so this isn't just inherently because he's a robot which if you're a robot probably easier to be corrupted 
But anyway. Yeah, it must have to do with the previous story. When he, like, purges the corruption from himself, he must have made himself immune to it. Yeah, I think it's something with Venser. Because Venser's spark is the reason he came back. Uh, and it cleansed him from the corrupt, the oil, um, the glistening oil. So anyway, mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with the spark. But it also brings us to our story spotlight. Temporary lockdown. So... <laughs> What happens next is basically the plot from The Thing. I talked about this before the break. Um, The Thing is a film all about uh, there's something that's turning people into it. However, you don't know and they don't know that they are already it. So you can be talking to them. I could be talking to Jeff right now. And then all of a sudden something happens and then he turns into it and he breaks apart and freaks out and has tentacles and all that stuff. So that's what we're trying to do in this story. I'm going to summarize a lot of it because I really think that it's not worth going through each individual piece because it's just like, like you said, it's, it's just not worth it. Yeah. We're in this tower that has three levels and we will split up to go find this Phyrexian thing that portaled with us to the tower is the idea. Right. What's the best way to do this, Jeff? Um, what do, what do they do? Not the, <laughs> what do they do? I was like, what's the best way to do it? Or Sorry. what do they do? What do they do? Yeah. So basically they send, I think Sten goes to the basement. Yeah. Well, they, and they split up. They split up is what I'm getting at. The, that right. they, yeah, yeah. They split up to the three different floors. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing is, like, Sten goes alone. Which is weird because like, he's. Everyone else is a planeswalker, but, or like Joda's super powerful, I guess, and allegedly. <laughs> and then it's like the worst one is the guy who goes alone to the basement. But And he's kind of like, oh, okay, I guess I'll go by myself. But what Karn, w- <laughs> yeah, what Karn wants to do is that he's devised this plan that. He is going to go to each different level with one person each. And each time he's on a different level, he will tell that one person alone where the Silex is. But he's going to give a fake answer to each person and each one will be different. So that he's never actually giving the information of where the Silex is. And um, if somebody freaks out or all the Phyrexians go to one place he knows who the sleeper agent is because they are giving children information. Oh, if they go to the fucking Yavamaya forest, he didn't ever say that, but um, that's because this person is a sleeper agent because I was the only one who told them that's where the Silex is. That's why they brought all the Phyrexians there, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a solid plan. Like, it makes sense. But reading it is a lot of like, okay, now we're going to go to the next person. And then, and we're going to the next person. Right. And in between all of these, like, they're just getting randomly attacked by weird, like, bug Phyrexians that are coming out of the walls and shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little strange. It's a little strange. So it's basically like... Joda em- almost gets murdered. Yeah. So... <laughs> Teferi gets gets hit pretty bad. Teferi gets, like, muscle ripped out of him somehow, somewhere on his body. I remember, like, like somebody took a right. chunk out of him. <clears throat> so they do get yeah. fucked up really badly through the entire process and all of it is just so Karn can try to fish out who the who the sleeper agent is because again his friends are getting killed he could open it at any moment and let them go free mm-hmm. through the whole process I think he starts with Joda because he doesn't like it very much then he goes to or I think he starts with Teferi then Joda and then Jaya and then he's like well everybody's accounted for that's fine I'm just going to open up the tower we can get out of here and he's like, wait, 
I forgot to tell Sten. Well, I don't think it's Sten, but I guess I could tell Sten. That's fine. So then he goes up to Sten, tells him where the Silex is, and <laughs> holy shit. He turns into a Phyrexian. He, his sleeper agent form uh, erupts, and he is one of the, the sleeper agents, which is crazy because he's the one who's been pushing so hard, saying that the Phyrexians are here. We need to, to stop them. He's been trying to put these sleeper agents to rest, all this stuff. And his eyes turn into, like, teeth that rip open his head. And yeah. then his body busts <laughs> open and tentacles come out. It is crazy, the description of what happens to Sten. Poor Sten, man. I liked him. Um, yeah. This one was a shock to me because we don't have any card that tells us this. There's no story spotlight being like, and mm-hmm. Sten is this crazy fucking eye teeth guy. Yeah, eye teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Karn did not need such a convoluted plan because as soon as he tells a Phyrexian anything, they're just going to jump into a Phyrexian. So he didn't need like different locations to pinpoint who the leak was. Like, yeah, didn't need that. But he also he didn't know like. Now we know, okay, if of course. as soon as their thing happens, they they bust or whatever. No, that sounds gross. They turn <laughs> it into not say it that way. <laughs> as soon as the thing happens, they, they turn into their Phyrexian form. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but anyway, the 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 Sten thing was crazy. Uh and I now at this point I want to go back to the story spotlight uh, that we were talking about earlier, temporal lockdown which is basically like everyone has their back to each other looking out around them, which is a bunch of cogs and like this whole trap that it looks like they're in where it seems like they have been thrown in this trap and they're stuck where I kind of wish that the art was turned the other way where every person has their back against the wall, looking at each other, trying to figure out who the, the bad one is or how many of the bad ones are there. Would make more sense. Would make more sense with the story. Um, and it would also, it's just something that this seems like it reminds me of some stories from, um, Kaladesh where they get locked in like a a closet or something. Mm -hmm. Instead, this could feel so much different where there's a lot of mistrust, which is really there. Um, also we have two other story spotlights that we blasted through because they don't really matter, which is, uh, Twinferno. There's like a part where, um, Jaya and Joda help each other kill a bunch of the bug things together. And uh, I think this is the point where the story spotlight for Temporal Firestorm happens because they're working together to, to defeat bugs. I don't know. Yeah, they, basically Jaya like burns a bunch of Phyrexians and Karn's even like, hey, you kill a lot of Phyrexians. And she's like, I know. Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> um, luckily, these other people want help me do that. Yeah, the... Um, and they just... They dispose of Sten pretty easily. Uh, Sten, like, turns himself into a giant antenna, though, to, like, communicate with Shieldred Mm -hmm. about the location of the Silex that he's just received. Mm -hmm. Um, But, of course, it's the wrong location, so this doesn't really end up mattering at all. Yeah. I think another interesting thing about Sten being a sleeper agent is that because King Darien had told him to go seek out all of these Phyrexians... So the thing about the sleeper agent thing and the the thing with the thing is nobody knows when they became a sleeper agent. Phyrexian, the sleeper agent. Mm -hmm. Number one, we don't know how long it takes to turn someone into one. It could happen in an instant. It could be a slow, long process. We have no idea how that works. But um, he could have 
been searching for the sleeper agents, and when he found one, they ended up turning him into a sleeper agent. And then uh, now he is one. Or he could have been a sleeper agent all along, and while he's going searching for them, he infects every person and is infecting a bunch of sleeper agents while that's happening. Or both. Both of those things probably happened, and uh, that just comes with the cost. Yeah. I did like that idea. It seemed really interesting of... You know, the person who's trying to root out the evil doesn't realize they are the evil and are spreading it and are the worst, even though we've seen them try to fight against it. I think Karn assumes that, like, he was spreading it. It's, mm-hmm. There's a line where it's like, you know, Sten was tasked with searching out sleeper agents and it's safe to assume he did the exact opposite. Yeah. So then uh, after all, they, they dispose of uh, our, uh, our Sten, they uh, open up the tower, and they, they call for the, the weather light to come and save them, which is finally we get to see the weather light soon. Because they've been talking about it a lot, and it's just been like, where's the weather light? We like the weather light. Get it, get it over here. And the weather light just so happens to be very close, and so it won't take them long to get there. Yep, good thing, because Teferi's bleeding out, Joda's exhausted, they can't portal away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jaya's fine though She seems chill And I guess they found out The tower was like Infected to its core Or something The tower like Is based on Old Thran technology But They've seen that it's It was like Corrupted all the way through It wasn't just one Phyrexian That was there uh, You know And Sten It was like The whole tower is corrupt Mm -hmm. Which Is probably why Sten like Told them to go there Kind of thing that's possible. he's the one that recommended they go to that tower. Or he ha- wasn't a Phyrexian the whole time, and the moment he goes into the basement alone at the beginning is when he became a Phyrexian sleeper agent. Right. That's also possible because they sent him off alone for some reason. <laughs> Which you shouldn't do if there's a thing that turns people into something when they're alone. So moral of the story, <laughs> don't split up where one person is alone. Make sure Everyone has a pair, or there's a three. I'm going to quiz you at the end, see if you can remember all the morals of the story. <laughs> Moral of the story. <laughs> Here you go. I think this happens every time. Anytime I talk about a story, it always that it comes down to it. Um, so, but that's going to end. Oh, also, our Argivia, Argivian, our, yeah, Argivia, the place, um, totally fucked. Mm-hmm. It's all Phyrexians, everyone. Um, yeah. So, effed. Effed, real effed. Uh, bummer. But uh, whatever. That is the end of episode three. Going into episode four. A brutal blow. We finally get to meet the Weatherlight crew, which is so nice because, uh, you know, some of these people have been the Weatherlight crew, been on it. Um, we, we've seen them from Dominaria past. So we it's just it's a nice little brush with like seeing them again. Very quick. Um, not a big deal. But uh, Shannis. I miss Slimefoot. Slimefoot was great. I'm glad that they added him. He's in there with the little, like, uh, <laughs> saproling guys. I mean, all they do is mention that he's there. But, mm-hmm. yeah. but, it, it, but it is important that they do mention, because uh, he's great. So, at this point, they're having, like, a meeting with the crew, and Karn has identified that the Phyrexians are looking for three things. They want the Silex, they want the Mana Rig, which is something that Joyra has been working on, and they want Karn. All three of these artifacts, and they do mean artifacts, because Karn counts as an artifact. They need them for something, probably to blow up stuff. Uh, That seems to be the case. 
And so now we know the mission is make sure they don't get these things because we will lose. And we need to find allies to help us fight now that Argivia has fallen. There is, uh, well, we're fucked. Like, they were some of our big, uh, they were our army. Our army is now their army. So let's find more people to help That's us. a tough turn of events. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a whole uh, <laughs> act of treason. That's a threaten right there. Just like, oh, I had. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> now I don't. More of a grafted identity, I would say, you know? Mm-hmm. Control magic kind of thing. Um, we all know how backbreaking those are. Yep. Yeah, the other thing is, like, they're basically, their plan is now that they know what children want, they're going to lure the Phyrexians to one spot by, like, putting all those things in the same spot. And that's where they're going to, like, rally their troops and bring all of their defenders together for their final stand. So uh, they have a classic moment of, like, who can we find? And Raph Capuchin is like, oh, my sister will come. And so Jaya's like, great, I'll get Danitha Capuchin. And then Joda's like, oh, I will go over to Yavamaya and talk to the elves. And Teferi's like, sweet, I'm going to go over to Shiv and talk to the Shivan wizards. And then Karn's like, I'm going to keep working on the mana rig and the Silex. And they're like, everybody hands in. And they're like, go team. Um, That's basically what happened. (laughs) So uh, we are going on the side quest portion of our story. So I I thought a couple times, these are going to jump back and forth a few times as we go through the story. Uh, So I was debating whether we should just talk about one full story and then the other part. But I wrote it out as we're just going to jump back and forth. So let's just do as was written, which makes it uh, just a lot longer, I think. Anyway, whatever. Going to do this, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings style where you jump to a different character every time something gets interesting. Exactly. And then you come back and you kind of forget. Like, what yeah, that's what, anyways, Frodo's fucked. What's Legolas up to? And he's just <laughs> God damn it. God, I want to know what's going on with this. Um, all right. So... Jaya is going to get Danitha Capuchin. So that's the Benelish soldiers, like Aaron Capuchin. That was her dad. So yeah, that's what happened earlier. The person who went off the balcony was Aaron Capuchin, and a Johnny jumped after him to save him, I think, is what happened. Uh, so Jaya planeswalks over there, and a Johnny's right there. Boom. He's like, Jaya, my friend, how are you? And they hug, and it's all nice. Um, he's like, let's go talk to Danitha. I think she will... Con- commit her troops to, to help you fight the Phyrexians. So like, sweet, let's go do that. However, Danitha says, no, I don't want to do that. My dad is gone. Where's my dad? I need to find him first because... I'm looking for my dad. Benalia really cares about what my dad has to say. Not as much what I have to say. If he's missing, they're going to want to go find him. So how about you help me find him? And then once we do that, then I will help you. Uh, so that's like, oh, yeah. it's one of those side quests where you're like, you see it and you're like, oh, sick, I'll just go do this. And then as you're doing it, you're like, oh, there's another side quest in this side quest. Oh, fine. <laughs> so it's one of those. And was I the only one who I was, re- where I was reading this and I'm like, oh, Danitha, your dad's obviously a Phyrexian. Come on. <laughs> I didn't actually think that, but then as soon dude's, as it, as it, dude's <laughs> fucked. As soon dude's as it, fucked. as it happens, I'm like, okay. Like, come on. He got chased by a Phyrexian and a Johnny went to save him. Mm-hmm. That's true. He didn't do anything to stop it. Maybe a Johnny became a sleeper agent at that moment. We don't know when a Johnny became a sleeper agent. 
That's the thing. <laughs> it could have happened at any moment and Johnny was gone, and this was the biggest chunk of time Whoa, Johnny was gone. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> All right, so... Um, Danitha says that they've tracked down the Phyrexians to the southern cave, and Jaya's like, great, let's smoke them out, literally. She was going to smoke them out. It's almost as good as the caffeine joke. Jump to Joda. Jeff, what's going on with Joda? So Joda shows up in Yavamaya. There's an elf there who's like, oh my god, you're Joda. Oh my god. And he's like, yes, I need to talk to your leader. And then it turns out she is the leader, um, which surprises him because she appears youthful. Um, but anyways, this is Maria, and he's like, hey, Maria, there's these Phyrexians that are going to invade. Can you take all of your people over to this place so we can fight them? And she's like, LOL, no. And then he tries to convince her, and then she says, oh, super convincing, and walks away. And yeah. That's, uh, that's how Joda fared. <laughs> she basically was saying, like, why would I fight them on their turf when I could just force them to come here and then they can fight and I have home field advantage? I'd much rather have that. Uh, so, mm-hmm. it, but it, it, yeah, it doesn't go very well. <sighs> We're going to jump back to Jaya, who is trying to smoke at the Phyrexians. She's pumping a bunch of smoke into the cave and a bunch of them are rushing out and they're fighting them as they come out. It's going very well until finally Air tie steps out in classic villain fashion. And he's like, oh, you thought that I was dead? I died years ago? This is all funny because I don't know Airtai very well as far as like a character goes. Uh, but he's, he's like important from the, 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 the past. And everyone thought he was dead. Yeah, this I agree where I was just like, am I supposed to like be shocked by this? I don't know who this is. Is this someone that I'm supposed to be like, oh no, not Airtai, they revived him and made him into a Phyrexian. Oh, like, was this guy a good guy? Was he a bad guy? I think he was like, they mentioned that he used to be one of the crew on the Weatherlight. So he must be from like the old Gerard stories of the original Weatherlight or whatever. And that, and that's why I'm supposed to care. But it was like, I don't know who this airtight guy is. Yeah, I, I think that's part of what it is. But basically what happened is he was dead and everyone just thought he was dead. And then they, the Phyrexians must have mm. found his body and were like, yeah, I could use this. And then they, they turned him into a, yeah. a, a guy again. Anyway, so he's here. And behind him, walking through the cave, comes out Aaron Capuchin. Bum, bum, bum. He is... Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's all completed and stuff. This is also kind of the story spotlight of uh, Lightning Strike for uh, Jaya is using her lightning to uh, smoke them out and, and kill a bunch of Phyrexians as they come out. Um, like, why did you use Lightning Strike as a story spotlight card? That's dumb. It was weird. I think there is, I think there's a moment later where she uses lightning and Karn's like, what? And she's all like, I learned a new trick. So I wonder if that's where Lightning Strike is. Maybe, maybe you're be. right. Maybe it should uh-huh. be over there. But she's been using lightning for a long time. Her, she used story spot. It's just, or sorry, she used lightning strike in the Dominaria story from before with, uh, what's her face, Chandra, because they wanted to show that, oh, Jaya does lightning and Chandra does fire, even though Chandra, or sorry, Jaya also does fire, uh, whatever. But I think the the thing about Aaron Capuchin mm-hmm. is they describe him as not really being like the other Phyrexians completed. Like I think most of them are essentially zombies. They yeah. don't like 
retain their former personalities and like they characteristics. Do. They just um, are a little bit, but they're more. I think they're more. They still talk like they're they're kind of people, but they're more grotesque and like spiky and gross. It seems like Aaron was like he still looked like himself. Yeah, and they specifically describe it as like he is still himself and he knows what's happened to him. Mm -hmm. And he like hates it. <laughs> Cuz they you could see like he's not like the other ones who's like Phyrexia complete. He's like, "Oh my god, I got completed. Fuck." Yeah. Well, I think it seemed more like it was behind his eyes. You could see that it was he was still trying to get out, but he can't. And he has like some scars on his face where they cut into him and half of his head is a glass. Um, but just like much yeah. more like sleek, a little bit more mirrored in that, I think, than um, a Phyrexia. But I think it's supposed to like indicate that air ties like a better completer. Like, a better, oh, he puts more care into his completions than like the random Joe Schmoes or whatever. Interesting. I didn't get that. I, I guess I was more under the impression that like if someone's completed... They, it's like, it's like a, it's like a goo that gets on you and you can't get it off. And then it like slowly goes up your arm and then it starts to turn you into that as opposed to a surgical operation where you need someone to actually go in and replace your bones with metal. But that makes more sense if it takes longer. But I was under the impression it yeah, doesn't I think take I think both things sort of happen. Like, I think the first thing is how you become a sleeper agent and then they'll describe you like muscle as being like fibrous um, yeah. stuff and that has to like get in you somehow but then the completions are like someone is grafting metallic enhancements to okay. your like organic got form. it so that's actually being completed but maybe a sleeper agent isn't completed yet they're just like right early stages okay i i yeah i, I might be two different processes I like that. All right, so we can both be correct. Nice. Um, anyway, we're going to jump to Teferi and Karin, who are in Joyra's workshop. And uh, basically, Teferi's like, ugh, I try to talk to all these people. Uh, nobody wants to join the fight. Everyone, like, they're calling it the new coalition. They're like, I'm trying to get all the dragons to come. They don't want to do anything. I'm trying to get these wizards and these people. No one wants to join except for the fucking goblins. The goblins say they'll do it. Because they want to say later that they were the first ones to join. And, and then they can use that as leverage. Yeah, basically it's like the dragons were like, I don't know, I'll think about it. And then everyone else was like, hey, uh, are the dragons on board? And they're like, well, not yet. And they're like, well, let us know when the dragons are on board. Then we'll fight with you. <laughs> and then the goblins were like, I think the dragons are going to be on board. I want to, like, get under this by looking like I, you know... I was going to do it even if the dragons didn't help, but secretly I'm like, I really hope the dragons help and we're <laughs> fucked. Um, but I want to be the first one so I could be like, hey, yeah, yeah, we're braver than you. We were going to fight for our, our nation and you weren't. Um, so the goblins are the only allies that he's able to rec <laughs> recruit, yeah. which I thought was pretty funny. I liked, I liked that whole description of like, yeah, nobody's in unless the dragons are in, except the goblins who want to like get in before the dragons. <laughs> I like that as well. I think it, it goes, it's surprising because you wouldn't expect that from goblins to like think ahead um, ever. So yeah, <laughs> it's like surprisingly cunning. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was, that was nice to see. Um, 
there, there seems to be some sort of explosion up, uh, outside and they, they go and see that in the sky, the weather light is fighting off some Phyrexians and losing very badly. Though, luckily, as we're talking about dragons, Daragaz, the dragon, <laughs> comes to save the day and pledges allegiance to Teferi and the new coalition. Thank God. Uh, and then Jorira comes yeah. down. He just like body slams the Phyrexian and then incinerates them, essentially. Yep. Uh, which makes sense why Daragaz is even part of the set. Uh, it seems like a very weird thing to be like, hey, here's one three-color dragon. Wait, is Daragaz in the set? Yeah. It's the Naya dragon. Huh. <laughs> some... Oh, Daragaz is Jund. The Naya dragon is like Rith or something. Oh, it's Rith? It's a different dragon that doesn't appear in the story. Wait, are you kidding I remember me? being like, why is it about... Ah, this yeah, whole time... the same dragon. What so. the fuck... <laughs> I thought that Daragaz was the Naya one. I was super confused by that. I was like, why is Daragaz, like, in the story, but not a card? And then Rith is not in the story, but is a card. Oh. I was, I just put that together now. Fuck, that's dumb. Why did they do that? They totally messed that up. Because they needed a Naya card, not a Gend card. But why did they need a Naya card? I don't know. What are the, what are the Well they have like there's one legend like the Jund legend is already Soul of Windgrace or whatever. Oh it right. In the story by the way. Yeah. That couldn't that couldn't have been Daragaz. I mean I do like the card Soul of Windgrace so mm-hmm. I'm not complaining too much but But it is funny it's, that it's, it's like It's just weird. It's like <laughs> Or you can literally go in the story and just go type in Daragaz replace with Rith and then you're fine. <laughs> right. Just have it be red. <laughs> it's so strange. I think they messed something out. I think the intention was that the dragon card in the set is like the card, the guy in the story. Mm-hmm. But something, some wires got crossed at some point. That <laughs> some sounds Phyrexian right. wires got uh, corrupted. All right. That sounds about right. Oh, man. Man, that's a bummer. I was really excited about everything that it all worked together and it doesn't. <laughs> Fuck. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So uh, Joyra comes down from the weatherlight. Oh my gosh, Joyra, we've been waiting for you. And then, you know, she kind of gets reunited with Karn and, and then they patch things up. Everything's uh, peachy keen. She's like, hey, thanks for texting me back, bro. Yeah, bro, you left me He's on red like, so many times. I did not text you back. Anyway, so they kind of say, oh, whatever, water under the bridge. It's fine. Uh, let's be friends. And then they make a joke about, like, Venser's death. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> super something. random. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, uh, it's something like, oh, you know, we shouldn't let life get between us. And Karn is like, or unlife. Yeah. Because it was like Venser's death. Exactly. got between them. Like, what the fuck? No, I thought. joking about his friend's death that he's super depressed about. I thought he was saying that that was the Phyrexians that got in between him, not not Venser. Or is he saying like he's not alive because he's a robot or something? I don't know. I don't know. When I read it, I was like, are you, the thing that got between you was your friend's death. Is that the joke you're making? Because that's pretty messed up. And I thought the thing that got between them is that he was so focused on trying to prove that the Phyrexians were there and she was kept telling him that they aren't there. Stop doing that. And the Phyrexians are the thing that got in between their friendship. Right. But she but she was like, oh, you're just like reacting to Venser's death. That's hey. why you're so you're like fixated on this because yeah. your friend sacrificed himself to save you yeah anyway yeah whatever. it's probably the the phyrexian is the unlife thing yeah i think probably. it makes yeah but but jo- I, I was like oh this is in poor taste yeah. especially for <laughs> a robot joke um yeah so he made a joke and then she's like oh wow you make jokes and that was the one time i was like karn you let me down why are you making jokes these are bad 
it's bad jokes. Yeah. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sci-fi fantasy writers, not com, uh, comedians, comedians. Anyway, uh, where are we? Let's, let's get back on track. Um, all right. Yes. Reunited with Joyra. So after the Joyra stuff, we jump back to our completed Aaron Capuchin is fighting his daughter, Danitha, which mm-hmm. is heavy, some heavy shit, to be honest. She doesn't really seem to have a problem with what she needs, knows she has to do. But like thinking of this mm-hmm. scene was like, oh, damn, this is if we're watching this movie, I'm like, fuck, she's like fighting her dad to the death because he's going to kill her. And, you know, they, they try their best to be like, oh, it's not really her dad anymore. It's like, but it feels like it. She can see it in his eyes that he's still there. Right. Um, he's still around and he doesn't they have like descriptions of flashes across her face, mm-hmm. but like she's able to steal, you know, steady herself and decapitate him, which is mm-hmm. the most humane thing to do, honestly. And there's like Airtai says, Aaron, like do what needs to be done, like commanding him to mm-hmm. fight or whatever. And then Aaron says to Danitha, Danitha, do what needs to be done. And my interpretation was like, please kill me. Like I, like I am a Phyrexian. They described that he knows he's like aware of that having happened to him. And so that like gives her the strength she needs to do it. Cause there's a, she's, there's a description of like, she pauses and then like nods and like decapitates. And it's like, um, that's a nice scene. That's good. scene. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Really intense. But, it, and there's also a bit of like, he's not really trying because enough of, in the fight because enough of him is still in there that he's not gonna he doesn't want to hurt his own daughter kind of thing yeah and that you know when we talk about zombies and all that kind of stuff that's the main thing that we worry about is our our parents or our loved ones being turned and this is our moment for that one of our moments and uh geez uh this one hit home i think these ones if i was reading this story before i knew uh, some of the things that happened i think it would have been like much more intense um, right. Where now I know a lot of the stuff. So I wonder how much of that, uh, I think it happens with all magic stories. <laughs> we will talk a little bit about this at the end, I think. Cause you know, the cards, mm-hmm. so you, you know, a little bit of what happens and you know, like the general story arc because of the cards, but we will talk a little bit about that at the end of today, uh, today, the episode, um, after she cuts his head off, um, Airtai basically like. I don't know if he laughs, but he picks up his hand, which only has three fingers on it, and he makes a little waving motion. And then the mountain behind him shakes and breaks apart and, like, explodes into a Phyrexian dreadnought. What? That's cool. That was... I liked that part. That was sweet. For those who don't know, it's a big-ass Phyrexian. It is a one-mana 12-12 with Trample. With no ETB. Um, and the Dreadnoughts <laughs> were like the main sort of war machine used in the Brothers War or whatever. They were like the big deal. There, there was that and the Dragon Engine that yeah. um, Mishra was working with or building or whatever. I, he ends up like melding with it. But yeah, that was that was the thing. These are, and these are so these are uh, no joke. No, no joke. joke. Um, most of the Phyrexians we've met so far have been kind of a joke, like yeah. just easily dispatched. Easily destroyed. This thing uh, is a little more cause for concern. This is the scary thing that you're like, oh, fuck. That mountain that I thought was just a cave of Phyrexians is actually a giant Phyrexian. That's scary. Um, 
real quick, what percentage do you think we will get Phyrexian Dreadnought as one of the artifacts that they put in the Brothers War that's old bordered and that's in draft? Like 100%. 100%? Love I love it. It's there. <laughs> Would we, like, does Phyrexian Dreadnought need to be in historic? You know what I mean? Like, yes. Do you, do you remember? It's the card we've all been missing. Yeah. Do you remember the card? Should we just say the card? I want to say the card now. Okay, you could say it. All right. You have to say it in the old parlor or parlance as well. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> Don't modernize it. Phyrexian Dreadnought is from Mirage. It is a one mana 12-12 artifact creature with trample. It says, when Phyrexian Dreadnought comes into play, sacrifice any number of creatures with total power of 12 or more or bury Phyrexian Dreadnought. I like this just as like a, it sacks itself. <laughs> yeah. It comes into play. One mana. Uh, I'm, I'm like, how do I use that? Yeah. It enters the battlefield yeah. and, and sacrifices it. So it's a enters the battlefield and dies trigger and won't for one mana. Or I like sack it to my anvil with the trigger on the stack. Huh? Mm, huh? That's good. That's good. Yeah, the card stinks, but... Uh, Especially in draft. <laughs> Have this as your... <laughs> in draft. Phyrexian <laughs> Dreadnought. Anyway. It's like it's like the exact opposite of what you want to do. Consolidate all of your board's power into one thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fatal push. <laughs> like, fuck. fuck. <laughs> um, really wish I hadn't sacked six creatures for this. For this fucking thing. Uh, it's good if you use uh, pump spells. Maybe you pump up your creature, sack some pumped creatures so it's not the same. Then you only like four for one yourself. I think there was legitimately like a deck. Actually, I believe. Uh, let me let me double check something. So, I just want to see if Airtie is allowed to. Yeah. So Airtie counters triggered abilities. So uh, this actually combos with Airtie because you play it and then you Airtie swoop in, counter that. Uh, trigger the ETB and draw a card. Oh, wow! <laughs> so it's interesting that this card combos with Airtime. That's <laughs> really cool. Like Airtime brings out the dreadnought. I love yeah. that. Wow, that's so cool. Airtime, by the way, one of my most underrated cards. That yeah? card's so good. <laughs> I, I, thought, I didn't like even think about it. It looked it spoiled, and then it's just like really good. I, I, I've been I've played it a couple times and I do enjoy it. Anyway, let's not talk about that. We gotta talk about the story. Also really good with uh, Narset and Explorer, by the way, because they don't draw the card. Jeff. Let's go back to Yavamaya. Okay, so in Yavamaya, we jump over there and all of a sudden a gigantic Phyrexian dragon engine. So this is like a bit it's essentially like a tank that looks like a dragon and can like shoot fire out of its mouth, presumably in dragon-like fashion, although this thing seems to roar is its main ability. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, anyways, it's a dragon engine, and it's just, like, cruising through the forest, ripping down, like, ancient trees uh, that have been there for, you know, centuries or millennia. And uh, Joda and Maria are all like, what? What's going on? And Maria's getting really pissed about Mostly about this thing ripping up the trees. Uh, and then we see that, uh, well, who's piloting this monstrosity? Rona is. Yeah. So basically, Rona's driving this huge dragon tank, ripping down forests. I, I imagine her, like, cackling maniacally. And, 
as she like drives this stupid tank through and rips down the trees and all the elves are out with their bows like dinging useless arrows off the side of this tank <laughs> um and so that's that's currently the scene we have in Yavimaya. I want you to imagine crazy one-eyed Rona with her like mechanical eye cackling maniacally as she drives a super dragon tank over trees and then a bunch of elves like shooting arrows that are just bouncing off this thing. That's where we're that's where we're at. Over there. Now we're gonna jump back to Jaya's fight with the Phyrexians and the Dreadnought, as the Dreadnought spews acid all over the place, which is super gross. And then um through the fight, Airtide just yells stop, and then everyone stops, and the Phyrexians stop, and all the 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 Capuchin uh, Benelish people in, in Jaya stop. And he basically threatens uh Danatha with like, if you don't bend to my will and like join us. I'm going to pour a bunch of acid on you and everyone, you know, and I'm just going to melt everybody. And that's where we are with them. (laughs) So I would say overall things are not looking great. Not super great. Back to Yavimaya and the crazy dragon engine. And we have Joda like frantically making force fields to try to protect the elves and Maria and himself from this ridiculous dragon engine. This is where I'm like, I'm a little fuzzy on this, but it seems like it roars and that sends like out some sort of shockwave that like wrecks everything. Um, well, it breaks their bones. He was sort of barely able to survive the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joda's energy levels are really low at this moment. And I think the roar, like it doesn't, it, it, I don't know if it breaks their arrows or what it does, but like, it really impacts them somehow. Yeah, it's like really loud, guys. Really loud. Like it hurts. Um, <laughs> but Miria has... So Miria is like the green, uh, red, like, artifact matters legend in the set, uh, who's basically useless. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so she really cares about artifacts. And then as all of these, like, trees are getting ripped out of the ground, she's like, wait a second... Those are really important golden artifacts under those trees. I've been reading about those for years. That's where they are. Wow. I need to go get those. So she grabs Joda and they like run and she has like a spear that she turns into a glider. Yes. (laughs) Is full like Avatar the Last Airbender like Aang throws it in the sky and like jumps on it and has this glider thing that she's on and Joda's like hanging off of her feet or something. Yeah. It even describes like he wasn't quite ready and he's just like awkwardly (laughs) doing whatever he can to hang on to her (laughs) and like way higher up than he wants to be. Um, But they go to the dragon engine's feet where he thinks, wow, we're doomed. Uh, This is bad. And uh, she goes to get the artifact that apparently is really important and going to solve everything. And so he makes a force field to try to to keep her alive and him alive as the dragon engine is smashing its head onto the top of it. And they're getting pushed farther and farther down into the earth. And he's hoping that they can uh, survive. And well, they do. But he barely he basically it feels like he's about to pass out. The dragon engine is about to roar. It's like breathes in to do his roar attack. He's building, he's like making a portal so they can get out of there because Miria makes this, 
what is it like a sphere what is the thing she has it's like a yeah i think like joda surmises it might be a damping sphere so it's a spherical thing uh and so he makes a portal that's just a little like as far as he can kind of muster but he's pretty weak she throws the sphere they jump through the portal and then the sphere creates some sort of another another sphere around this sphere of like vacuum so now the dragon engine and rona are just like in a vacuum um and everyone outside the blast radius of this thing is just normal and for some reason this vacuum like makes all of the organic parts of the dragon engine like start to like melt away and even the mechanical parts also get a little messed up and Rona's like crawling out of this vacuum, but sort of getting really wrecked in the process for some reason. I don't know why the vacuum would cause this to happen, but yeah, it does. I, I don't exactly know that. Um, Joda also says that the color of air is real because when he looks in the vacuum, there's no color to the air or something. Um, and uh, anyway, Rona ends up not dying through this. And she, because the, basically the dragon engine falls over and the bottom of the dragon engine is towards the vacuum and she's at the top and she can escape. So she starts to run away and all, then all the other Yavamaya elves jump on Kavu and start running after her. Um, and then they can deal yeah. with her later. Um, but through that, Miria kind of looks at Joda and is like, so, uh, yeah, they can find us, huh? And she's like, yeah, they, they can, and they did. She's like, they're going to find us again. And like, yep, if you leave, they'll, they'll find you. She's like, all right, we're in. We're going to come fight for you. And Joda's like, fuck yeah. yeah. She's still really pissed about the trees. She is sad about she's the trees. Like, you know what? They fucking uprooted my trees. Fuck these guys. Yeah. They done goofed. <laughs> they done goofed. Um, so... Now we're going to jump over to uh, Jaya, where she's fighting the Dreadnought. Um, and at the very last second, as she's standing there and her ties like, come with me or your acid is, I'm going to acid you with the, the Dreadnought. Um, Rada comes in with the golden Argosy. Argosy? Whatever it is. The big, sh the ship thing that blinks creatures. And she comes in with reinforcements and basically just runs it right into the uh, Dreadnought and uh, basically wins that fight out of nowhere. And Urtai runs away being like, Shieldred's going to hear about this. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's such a weird line. <laughs> Shieldred's not my boss. It's like, I don't <laughs> what do I care. <laughs> and then Jaya's like, yeah, good. I hope so. That's the of course. Yeah, I, that's the point. I hope that this was yeah, impactful you, enough. Didn't think you guys were so disorganized. <laughs> you, you wouldn't tell your boss you lost a fight. So, um, so <laughs> there we go. Um, so now we have uh, <laughs> hair tie. Yeah. Um, so guy. Now we have uh, all the elves from Yavimaya. That's great. The Benelish soldiers are going to come with us because Danitha has found her dad and killed him, and 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 now we're, we're now we know what we have to do. Um, and so Joyra and Karn are um, up, and this is where they actually like reunite, and they actually like are, are happy to see each other and, and kind of have those jokes about that we talked about earlier. And then Joda contacts Karn on the weatherlight communicator thing, 
and he says, hey, there is a spy in the new coalition. Now, how Joda knows this, we never find out. But uh, for some reason, Joda... I was going to ask you about that. (laughs) It's like, is it because the Phyrexians showed up at the two locations that they sent their people to? So there's someone they must have known where they were going to be? Maybe. Or... That makes sense. I I don't know. It's so random. And this is something that I wanted to bring up earlier, but totally forgot. But like when they first uh, travel to the tower, Jaya says something to Joda like, oh, don't you ever tire of being right? And then it's like, oh, Joda smirked. And like, it's like sometimes, you know, whatever. And I was like, but Joda was wrong. He was the one that thought the Phyrexians weren't here. This makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> this is another situation where I'm like, what? How, How did is- Joda figure out? From Rona attacking Yavamaya, that the only way that's possible is if there's a, a spy? <laughs> I have no idea. Did I miss something? Did Rona, I mean, knowing Rona, she was probably like, by the way, we have a spy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <okay. laughs> or, or something. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I thought it was just something I missed, so I was going to ask you. Well, no, I because Johnny was not. Both of us missed him. Ajani was not on the weather light when they made the plan to go search for the people. Ajani was over with Danitha. True. So. I wonder if, like, something got edited out. Like, originally there was, you know, like, like, Frona admitting they have a spy before running away. And then they edited it out because it's dumb. But then they still have, like, Joda knows for some reason. So do you think, story. do you think that, um... This is going to be a spoiler for the next episode that we're going into, but so, so I'm going to wait until then. Actually, I'm not going to say it. Let's yeah. let's see if we can figure it out in the next in the next episode. <laughs> Maybe we'll figure this out at some point, but until then, let's take a beer break and uh, before we go into episode five. Yeah, I'm gonna need another beer to think on this. This is. I'm excited for this. What's it called? Oh gosh. Okay, let me let me finish pouring it before you ask me all the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is a uh, Czech beer, and I've had this before, but it's been a while, so it'll be fun to try it again against these other ones. But it is called Velkopopoviki Kozel. It's, it's got to be right. right. Um, so this is a lager from the Czech Republic. It is 4.6% and it was founded in 1874. So a bit newer compared to the other ones we've had recently um, over the last couple couple uh, hours. Um, the thing about this beer is it has a picture of a goat on it. Now, Kozel, K-O-Z-E-L, uh, means male goat in Czech. And I looked this up. And the reason that they named their beer male goat or goat um, is because uh, at the time that this beer was made, there were a bunch of the, the popular beers were Einbachs or Bach beers. And um, in German, Einbach means billy goat. And so the Czech were like, oh, you're naming your beer <laughs> after a goat? I'm also <laughs> going to name my beer goat. <laughs> And so that's what they did. <laughs> and um, that's great. Which is really funny because goat, obviously, for sports fans, the goat is the greatest of all time. So you could name your beer goat and be like, oh, it's the goat. But 
that doesn't translate into any yeah. of those languages. So they wouldn't have done that. I think they were just. Yeah, I don't know if Kazell has the same uh, acronym in Czech. No. Uh, so then they're just like, oh, it's just, uh, <laughs> it's just, oh, it's a goat. Oh, they they named their beer after goat. I'm gonna name my beer goat too. Uh, so I kind of love that. <laughs> What's the like Velka? So I don't know if if Czech uses the Cyrillic alphabet or not. I do know that if P in Cyrillic actually makes an R sound, oh. and a C is like an S. So I would think of this as like Velkaroro Vishti. Oh, um, that sounds a lot more real than what I said. But I don't know. Is that like the place in the it's Czech the Republic? Place. Or is that I'm, the a, I'm assuming that's the place, which is also the brewery. Okay. Um, a lot of these the things, mm-hmm. which we're going to talk about in the next beer we're going to drink, are like, uh, it's similar to wines where they have like Chateau whatever, um, Chateau Cromwell. That's like... Yeah, it's just the it's mm-hmm. just the name of the house that owns right. the place, yeah, like a place in yeah. France. And so, um, a lot of these beers are like, yeah, there is a person who made beer, or or whatever. This group of people, they have this type of beer they make. They live here. They use this water and this grain. That's the beer. It's not the same as nowadays, where you have microbreweries all over the place that are making very specific things with whatever. At the time, it was like, yeah, this is the water we have. This is the the wheat or the grain we have. These are the malts. We make beer in this place, and this is what it tastes like. So, uh, a different uh, different Makes idea sense, yeah. of of what makes good uh, beverages. But anyway, so a lot of these old beers are like when you look at it and says, "Oh, this is the name." It's just literally a place, and you're like, "Okay, um, this is the lager from this place," and there you go. Also, they have a bunch of rules about what you can do, like the the German ones. <sighs> anyway. Jeff, let's get this wrapped up because it's episode five, A Whisper in the Wind. Just like children, she's whispering wind. Is she whispering wind or just a, uh, the whispering one? The whispering one? I think so. Yeah. Something, something like that. that. <laughs> Shieldred, A Whisper in the Wind. I don't know. I don't see the card often enough, so. Yeah. It, I, don't, I definitely don't play against it like every other game. Well, that's Shieldred the Apocalypse, but... Um, the other one is the whispering one. Oh, really? Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yep. Good point. Anyway, uh, we are in Joyra's workshop with Teferi and Karn, and they are talking about the mana rig and how they have finagled it, or they are working on making it so that the mana rig will uh, have a self-destruct button. Now, Jeff, reading this, did you know what a mana rig was? I was literally about to ask you that. I was like, did I miss something? Because they determined the mana rig's important. I remember that. But, like, what is yeah. it? Because <laughs> later it kind of seems like it's, like, a big Power Ranger. Because <laughs> it starts, like, walking yeah, away. Yeah, so... You know, the Power Ranger thing that they all, like, meld together to make the, the big-ass robot. I feel like that's what it is. Yeah, so I'm going to send you a picture of what the mana rig is. Um, because I... I also had to look this up because I had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, it's going to be in our Discord server. Uh, so if you want to see the picture, go to our Discord. It's one of those interesting things with Magic Story is because they're so short, they do rely on a certain amount of you already know what stuff is or looks like because of... Mm-hmm. Oh, but this is a commander card. That's not fair. Yes, but this... That's not fair, Wizards. So the mana rig is a card that's in one of the commander products. 
Um, but the actual physical thing of it has been on cards in, back in Invasion and a bunch of other stuff. So this isn't a new piece of tech. Mm. And uh, I think just the card called The Mana Rig. Something. It's just from like a 20-year-old story and we're supposed to remember it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, basically what it looks like is a, a half of a sphere uh, with legs. So the top is flat or has kind of like buildings on top of it, but it has three legs and it moves around and uh, it's kind of this sphere thing. Um, it's like a walking city. Yeah, well, I was mostly right. It's a big robot yeah. or whatever. I was completely wrong because I was thinking of the Thran portal in my mind. So I thought it was the sphere that, or sorry, this circular thing that was up and oh, down. Okay. I was like, how is, how is it moving? Is it rolling? Did I miss something? I was so confused the whole time. <laughs> What's this portal yeah, walking so I, around? I had to read this uh, story <laughs> quite a few times to try to figure it out until I actually researched what the hell the fucking mana rig was. I was so confused. Um, I also, I also yeah. think because there's a mage ring in like origins or something that is like the power network for Ravnica or not Ravnica for wherever Jace is from. Uh, so I was, uh, Vryn. Vryn. And so I was so confused the whole time. I was like, is it it's just a circle? What the fuck is this thing? Um, anyway, no, the mana rig is like a, it's like a transformer robot, uh, power ranger. It is like a the big power engine mm-hmm. thing it doesn't quite look like it because it looks more like a bug yeah. like scurrying it's kind of like a beetle um anyway so they the idea yeah. is that they're going to fight the phyrexians and then blow up the mana rig and all the phyrexians at the same time uh good plan right uh hopefully they can get out in time with joda but like also the silex in the silex. So they have like the self-destruct that they're making on the mana rig, but mostly their plan is the silex, but then also this thing self-destruct. I don't really know. Mana rig. And it doesn't super matter because uh too many MacGuffins going on. There are just too many MacGuffins at the same time. Yeah, I think the biggest one I think the mana rig's a bigger MacGuffin. No, no, Silex is also a MacGuffin. It, having two MacGuffins is really confusing. Karn is important. The other two are I don't understand why they're important. Um <laughs> but anyway. Uh, it's too late because there is a uh, horn blasting and the, the Phyrexians are already here and they're fighting and we're not ready. We did not finish the cannons. We did not get the self-destruct thing together. Nobody's here to fight. Everything's fucked up and <laughs> we're, we're screwed. Um, Still don't know who the spy is. We're sure there's a spy for some reason, but we don't know. Well, because we trust Jota because he's the smartest guy in the galaxy. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, Karn and Teferi run out onto the top of the. Um, oh, so also jo- uh, Joyra's workshop is on the mana rig. That's what was confusing to me the whole time. It's on it. Um, it kind of overlooks yeah. the whole thing. That's why I was so confused. I was like, so they jump off the mana rig to run to the thing and then get. <laughs> run to the workshop real quick um, and then they come back. <laughs> anyway, so they run onto the top of the deck and there's a shadow that comes across them that's blocking out the sky. They look up and it's the weather light, except for the weather light is completed. And by the way, this was like the fifth time they described something as blocking out the sun. Because I noticed in the previous thing, so the dragon engine blocked out the sun, the dreadnought blocked out the sun, and they mentioned that again when they came back to the dreadnought. Mm-hmm. 
and then there was like another time that they mentioned eclipsing something and then this one was like also blocking out the sun i'm like enough with the blocking out the sun it's big i get it but like (laughs) this one makes use a different like yeah this one makes the most sense because it's actually in the sky um though i would understand that the other ones were so huge Mm -hmm. that they would block out the sun but um this is what i want to talk about earlier so the weather light is completed does this mean that when they had the meeting on the weather light without a Johnny about where they were going, the weather light was the one that was the spy that told the Phyrexians where they were going. The weather light was the spy. That's true. Good point. So maybe. <laughs> and they even describe it as having like wires mm-hmm. that is meant to act as like camouflage. Yeah, or something. something weird like that. And it turns out they were actually just real phyrexian wires not they, like camouflage i don't know i didn't really i didn't get it I, I was confused by that too um but it has bat wings now kind of it looks a little bit different um anyway urtai is on board because this cart sucks though oh sorry i didn't hear that until now that's a that's, that's a bummer um anyway urtai jumps off the completed weather light and lands on the deck next to karn and uh, he shoots him with, like, this beam of something. I don't know what it is. But Karn th- is expecting it to just bounce off of him because things tend to do that to his chest. He's just like, right. I'm a silver golem. I'm fine. But instead, it actually kind of goes straight into his body and starts making him rust from the inside out, kind of. Like, he can't move. And it, he's mm-hmm. just really confused. I don't know what magic Urtai has or what magic the i don't know phyrexians have specifically for karn but they keep continually saying we have prepared for you specifically and this is what we came up with and it all works so that sucks but i don't know what it is so that's yeah, a real bummer yeah yeah they and they never tell you it's just magic that they prepared for karn. yeah um but like that's why they've been completing or reviving mages yeah because this is their, like, battle plan against Karn. So they're like, oh, Rona is a Talarian, uh, you know, apprentice or whatever. She can do this magic. Urtai will resurrect him because he, he has the blue-black. Apparently you need blue-black magic mm-hmm. to uh, <laughs> immobilize Karn. Yeah. But basically they knew Karn was going to be their biggest, mm-hmm. like, opposition in this war. And so they have come prepared. Yeah. Which is good. It's good if you're a Phyrexian. Dude, are you a sleeper agent? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway, we are at our story spotlight, which is... Urtai's Scorn. This is the uh, cancel variant. I was going to say, it's a cancel, right? Uh, Yeah, it's basically a cancel because it never works the other way. Um, The flavor text does say, uh, you're not so special, Karn. Anything that has been assembled can be disassembled. Karn is basically at his death at this moment, Urtai is going to pull him like piece from piece, limb from limb, and disassemble his entire body. When uh, a Johnny jumps off of the Golden Argosy and cuts uh, Urtai right in the back with his double-bladed axe thing. Gets him good. Fuck you, Urtai. And then just, like, kicks him off the edge. Basically. Like, anyways, Urtai goes flying. Yep, and then we don't have to see him again. Hooray! <laughs> yeah, one thing they did mention while, like, Karn is immobilized and Urtai's, like, doing his thing, ripping him limb from limb kind of thing, 
<laughs> it's a funny time to mention it, but this is when they mention it. But like Karn recognizes Urtai's previous like character man like mannerisms are still with him. So the way he speaks and holds himself and the way he like smirks and laughs at stuff. So he, there's still like the part of the person he knew was still a part of this this crazy Phyrexian. The, they meant this is the second time like that type of thing has been mentioned surrounding Urtai. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it's like most Phyrexians aren't like that. Yeah. They're just whatever they're mm-hmm. zombie, not really themselves anymore. But for whatever reason, Urtai was able to like maintain himself, and then things he completed also maintained versions of their previous yeah. self. Um, which I thought was sort of a neat little thing surrounding this Urtai character mm-hmm. who uh, I don't know if it plays a greater purpose, but otherwise it's like, alright, why is Urtai here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just kind of got resurrected and then had some weird magic and then got, got, got wrecked. wrecked by a Johnny pretty easily. So like, what was the point of all of this? But uh, I think it added some flavor of like the Phyrexians are maybe advancing into new territory where they can like keep you, they can complete you, but also keep you yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wonder because that's what it's felt like with, uh, um, Tamio also kind of felt that way when we spoke with her at the mm-hmm. end of Kamigawa. So, you know, maybe the Phyrexians are onto something, you know, yeah. <laughs> this completion thing isn't so bad. After. Yeah. I could have teeth eyes. That's fine. <laughs> I could do that. It is the next step of evolution, isn't it? Yeah, eat what I see. Um, anyway, uh, Karn, uh, after being saved by a Johnny, immediately tells him that we have to defend Joyra's workshop because that's where the Silex is hidden. This pissed me off because, like, you've been so careful all the time about everything and, like, never telling anyone where the Silex is. And then you're just like, we got to defend this because that's where the Silex is. And it's like, but if you didn't tell anyone that, you wouldn't have to defend it because they don't yeah. know. Like, this is such a random time for you to just yell that out to Majani mm-hmm. when you haven't trusted him since episode yes. one. It is very strange. I don't know why they did it. But it is interesting that Ajani's, uh sleeper word, for lack of a better term, is not... Where is the Silex? Yeah. Because that's what Sten's was. Was where's the Silex? Ajani's is something yeah. different. Like once he had that information, he converted me. And Ajani's like, cool. cool let's defend and that's, it. And so they keep defending it. Um, so now the Fibrexians are climbing up the legs of the mana rig. And there are cannons that shoot down off the sides. And so we're shooting down on these Phyrexians. And all this stuff is happening. And we have our story spotlight, which is... Heroic Charge. One of my faves, actually. One of my favorite draft yeah. cards. Limited All-Star. Um, one of though. If you have too many copies of this, it's not good. I play two sometimes. Sometimes I play two, but sometimes I see it in packs and get, oh, and then it's just there's way too many, and I'm like, oh, fuck. Okay. Calm down. Calm yeah. down. Um, we are now fighting arm-in-arm arm with our, our Keldon and Benelish are, are working together, which is what these cards are supposed to look like. Um, that's what Heroic Treasure is. And uh, we're fighting off all these Phyrexians, but it's not going super well, especially because Shieldred arrives, and she's on top of a dragon engine. And uh, 
boy, is she scary like this. I don't know. She's already like a weird spider centipede uh, scorpion thing. But now she's like the top of a dragon engine and she's coming climbing up the sides. And they say that she like doesn't just crawl over her army, but like un- she basically brings them into her and starts building herself bigger and bigger right. as she walks. She like rolls over them, but incorporates them into herself as she does so. Ugh. Super creepy. It's like... Yeah. It's like um, um, Katamari Damacy. If you do, you know that video game? No. It's you're like a little guy with a ball, and you roll over everyday objects, and you, you try to get the biggest ball you could possibly get by rolling. You can only pick up things that are smaller than you are. Anyway, it's basically that where she's like mm. crawls over people and gets bigger and bigger as she crawls over the smaller things. Um, it would make more sense if you played Katamari Damacy, but it's fine. No, I've never even heard of it, man. Is this like some random obscure? Yes, it's a random obscure Japanese video game. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll send you a picture. People know what this game is. If you know Katamari Damacy, go to our Discord right now and tell me I've played Katamari Damacy because now I look like a fucking idiot in front of Jeff, which happens every week. Um, Anyway. So as he sees Shieldred, Karn's like, fuck, we need the Silex right now. Like, I need that right now. Jaya, go get the Silex. This is where it is. I'll I'll deal with everything else, but you go get it. And Jaya's like, I'm on it. I'm going to go get it. Shieldred is out. She has a dragon engine for a butt. Phyrexian and Dreadnoughts are everywhere now. And shit is looking really bad. Um, Because one Phyrexian Dreadnought was a lot at the beginning. But now there's a ton. Luckily, this is the moment where Daragaz or Rith shows up with all the dragons. <laughs> We're not sure which dragon is actually intended in this story. Yes. So. <laughs> uh, but they uh, they they take care of the the Phyrexian dreadnoughts and they seem to cancel each other out. You know, it's like oh, there's a bunch of Phyrexian dreadnoughts. Now there's a bunch of dragons. All right, so they're over there fighting, and you know, we mm-hmm. still have to just deal with Shieldred and all that. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of things going on. This next bit is a lot. So I'm going to possibly plow through this. Dragons are really carrying the team. They messed up the weatherlight as well, right? Yeah, they did. Uh, oh, yeah, they saved us from the completed weatherlight uh, as well, which you can see in the back of the card. We might have gotten off track. I don't know if we mentioned that. But, yeah, the, we- the completed weatherlight not only blocked out the sun, but it did get fucked up by dragons. It didn't super, super matter. Um, but, yes. Just because Airtight no. jumps off. But anyway. Just like the card in a game of that, it doesn't <laughs> it super, super matter. Um, Joyra has now finished the mana rig, and it's free. So when she was working on the mana rig, I thought she was working on the self-destruct button thing. She's also working on just the legs moving. So now it starts to move. And everyone takes a moment to like try to catch their breath or like steady themselves because the thing they were fighting on is now mobile and it is walking and they're like oh shit fuck and the thing that's cool about mana rigs which is something that's from invasion and which reminded me of all this stuff is that as it walks by mountains or like hits the ground it takes up the rocks and it spews lava out the top everywhere and that lava falls on all the phyrexians and burns them and goes around so it's just this giant fucking thing that just like eats rocks and dirt and just spits lava um it's pretty cool 
and it's on some really not cool cards, but the art is awesome from Invasion Block. So, yeah, I really wish I was playing during Invasion, man. Fuck. It seems so cool. It's the moral of the story. I wish I was playing during Invasion. Color Matters <laughs> Invasion. That's, that's all I want to do is play Color Matters um, <laughs> Magic. Old Borders. No, it's oh, perfect. God. So at some point, the elves show up, right? Yeah. There's some other, like, oh, I don't know if we can win. I, my issue with it was it was literally just Teferi saying, I don't know how we could possibly win this, or Johnny or yeah. something. And then the elves show up. <laughs> uh, and then the elves, it's like the, you know, the, the Gandalf, the, like, look to mm-hmm. the whatever thing, and, and the riders come in. Um, so I think trying to set that same scene, uh, but it was like were we in that much trouble? Like the only way you really made me understand that they were fucked was to fairy being like, Hey, we're kind of fucked here. And then, Hey, the elves. Yeah. Show up. So, I think, I think uh, it's a miss also. Cause I think the elves aren't very good. So, uh, it's not the same as like a ghost army. Um, that wasn't Gandalf. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, but you know what I mean? No, that was a uh, different movie. Come sorry. On, that, that was a completely different movie. That's the third. That's when they did the same thing, but in the next movie, and it was Aragorn instead of... Yeah, Aragorn. but I also thought, like, the the Ghost Army made a lot more sense. That wasn't a, as an exci- exciting battle, but the Ghost Army was like, yeah, how are you going to fight a Ghost Army? The Ghost Army wins every time. You never beat the ghosts. Um, True. But anyway... Yeah. Uh, Jaya has the Silex, but it's still in that fucking box. We never talked about this, but the box that Karn put it in is a box that doesn't have a lock that only he can open because he can manipulate metal. And so it's really safe in there because nobody can open it. Uh, But it's fucking heavy. And Karn didn't think, oh, shit, that box is probably really heavy for a normal human person. And so Jaya's like, I can't planeswalk away with this fucking thing. It's so heavy. So, so it's, Karn's like, okay, that's yeah. fine. I'll open it for you, and you can just take the Silex with you. So he opens the box and reveals the Silex in front of everyone. And Jeff, what happens? Well, Johnny says, finally. And he doesn't quite sound like himself. He sounds almost oh. mechanical. <gasps> Johnny, he's the sleeper agent. What? No way. No, it's, He's the spy. Wow. The character whose card is a Johnny, comma, sleeper yeah. agent is a sleeper agent. So I will talk about that a little bit later. But the more surprising thing about this is that he grabs the Silex and just crunches it in like it's a piece of paper. Like he just. Yeah, that that surprised me, too. He just like grabs the Silex in his hand and crushes it. I thought the Silex was bigger than that. Or maybe a Johnny's hands are massive. I thought it was more important. <laughs> Or, like, stronger? I was just like, whoa, how did that happen? I don't know if they're trying to tell me that... I think it's supposed to be like, wow, Johnny's really strong now because of his Phyrexian That's what I thought. But it's like, is his hand the size of a bowl? Because in the card... maybe he did... Karn is, like, holding it with both hands. Maybe he did this, you know? Maybe he put both hands on either side and crushed it like that. It says one hand for sure. Yeah, do you want to go back and check if it says one hand or not? Uh, it definitely says one hand. So uh, anyway, um, he, he he crushes that, and then he like slashes Jaya with his axe and like gets her in the side and or back or something, and she falls to the ground. And then as he with that sweeping motion, he hits Karn and cuts into his metal like his fucking body 
that you don't yeah. think could get hurt because, well, we've been told a lot that he can't get hurt, but he's been hurt often, actually, Corn has. He gets hurt yeah. all the time. Yeah, moral of the story is uh, <laughs> Karn can get hurt. Thran steel, not as strong as Karn. Thinks not so it strong. Um, and uh, anyway, so Karn has a Johnny's axe lodged in his body. Jaya is fallen on the ground, and um, basically, she did. She's dying. She hasn't died yet, but. Um, uh, Johnny walks up to her and basically picks her up and is going to throw her off the manor rig. And she's like, yeah, you, something about like, you couldn't stop me. You, you'll have to kill me before you. He's like, yes, I'm going to kill you. And then she's like, not if I do this first. And she like burns his hand, arm and then he just tosses her off the manor rig. Mm-hmm. And that is our story spotlight. Extinguish the light. This is a good story spotlight. Extinguish the light. It's important we have this, and this mm-hmm. is where we know that she died because it tells us in the flavor text, Jaya died. And again, she can't planeswalk away mid-drop for some reason. Well, she's also stabbed um, bleeding in the back, and I don't know how long the drop is. Yeah, she got to try something. Don't just fall to your she death She probably like a noob. tried. Uh, you know... <laughs> That makes you, that really seems like you're rubbing dirt in the wound because she did try, I'm sure, to planeswalk away <laughs> and she could not. I am really happy that someone died. Um, I think more of these stories need people to die. As we saw with Crimson Vow, uh, War of the Spark, not good enough. People gotta fucking die. Just not Jace. Never Jace. Kill Jace. Have Vraska kill him, and that will be the best <laughs> thing that ever happened, probably. Honestly, if that happens... Oh, turn him to stone. And he's stuck in stone in Ravnica in the, somewhere. They just got to kill more people. I'm happy that they killed somebody. Anyway, that's my stance on that. <clears throat> uh, I'm glad she's dead. Sorry. Sorry. I'm glad Jaya... I'm glad someone died. It's kind of sad that... No, I honestly don't give a shit about Jaya, honestly. Uh, she's been around forever. That's, a, that's the thing. That's why Jaya died, mm-hmm. because nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> Jaya has, like, a couple of cards that nobody plays. Mm-hmm. And nobody's that attached she to She has been around forever. Um, it's also weird that Chandra wasn't here to watch her die, because apparently they had a really important connection, but... Uh, like, mentor-mentee yeah. relationship. Johnny has pushing Karn down to the ground with his um, axe, and Shieldred races over. She splits her body into multiple parts. She, like, jumps out of the engine, and, like, all this stuff comes off of her, and she puts her hand on his chest or something. And just as that's happening, Joyra announces through, like, a loudspeaker that the mana rig will self-destruct now because she activated it, and that Joda needs to portal everyone away which he does, and the self-destruct is counting down. Beep, 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 beep. And uh, the whole thing's going to blow. And everyone has uh, escaped because Joda put all these portals, except for Karn, Ajani, and Shieldred. And I guess all the random, like, Phyrexians sure. and elves and stuff. In no, the apparently Joda <laughs> got all of them, but the Phyrexians. Oh, yeah, he got all the elves? For sure, yeah. <laughs> he was. He cares the most about the elves. He went and saw the elves. <laughs> They're also on, like, flying cavus and stuff, whatever. And uh, <laughs> when they are there, Shieldred's like, 
with her thing. She's got like a speaker. <laughs> we got him. Uh, mission complete or whatever. I don't exactly know what. Houston, we have achieved, achieved yeah, our mission. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> Over. Shieldred out. Ella Schnorn. We have our uh, <laughs> all of our artifacts. Silex has been crushed by the cat. I repeat, <laughs> Silex crushed by cat. So the planar portal opens. Well, seemingly, we don't exactly know it's a planar portal. I'm pretty sure it is. And uh, it takes Shieldred, Ajani, and Karn, as well as the Silex, the mana rig, and everything, and they portal it back to New Phyrexia. Um, the self-destruct button that needed to happen didn't really happen. Nothing goes on with that. Don't understand. <laughs> well, it's on different planes, so the self-destruct feature no longer It, it exploded through... Yeah, no, it turns off if you switch gotcha. planes. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, also, part of the MacGuffin for the mana rig is that the Phyrexians want to use the mana rig to create Thran metal. No, sorry. Thran steel. What was the word? Steel. steel. To yeah. Thran, steel. Thran steel yeah. so that it, cause it's impenetrable, except for Karn just got stabbed with an axe that Johnny had from fucking wherever. <laughs> except they penetrated yeah. all the time. Um, and it's supposed <laughs> to make uh, completed Phyrexians uh, super strong and like, it's, it's like adamantium but it's not. Uh, that's basically what they're trying to say it is. Except for Karn just got ripped into so I don't understand. Anyway, um, they are all gone. Uh, we do have a long period where Joda... So, uh, okay, up to this moment, did you know that Joda was fucking Jaya? Did you know that? <laughs> so, okay, so... <laughs> Joda and Jaya are from, like, a, another book I've actually read, but it's, like, Ice Age. Right? Okay. <laughs> it's, like, really, really old book. Um, and that's where they meet, and that's when whatever, like, set Jaya is from, like... Their, her original card is like a creature that sucks. Yeah, I think it might be Ice Age, but it's around. I remember, like, I just have thoughts in my head of it being very cold. Mm -hmm. So I imagine it must be the Ice Age trilogy. Um, so they go back a ways, I suppose. But yeah, it's not clear that they were in any sort of romantic relationship at any point. This seems like they were throughout the story. Did not seem like they were boning. End of the story. Something was happening. They, they for we were for they fucked. Yeah. They for sure fucked. Like they had to, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for totally. There was like flirtatious uh, arguing or whatever yeah. throughout the story where they're like, "Oh, don't you ever?" You know, anyway, get tired of being again. Get tired of being right. It's like he was wrong. I don't understand this. <laughs> the the reason I say this, yeah. Joda is just. Yeah, he's just so distraught by her death, and his entire life is over basically, and he cannot go on. And he's just—it's everything is like crumbling around him, and everyone's consoling Joda. And I was like, "What the fuck? Uh, Karn's gone too." Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody cares nobody about gives that. a shit about Karn. Uh, Johnny tur turned out to be a traitor. No, no fucks no. given. My. <laughs> Well, I, I, I get it. Like, if your partner's gone, it, for sure. Absolutely. I get that. I just was, I didn't know they were partners until this moment. So it's so weird to me. But it just seems like information that I wasn't given in the story, which is fine. Um, there is a uh, right. funeral and um, 
speaking of information we weren't given, that's going to be a recurring theme in this denouement yeah. because there's just like characters that show up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like, wait, this person what? was here. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's coming up. That's great. Um, so, uh, Joda, uh, is, uh, sorry, they, they are trying to consult Joda and they're like, we're going to make uh, Teferi and, and, uh, fucking whoever are saying, let's, let's make a, a, a statue of her, Put it, put it up in Shiv, and then uh, people will come and, 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 you know, I don't know, want to, want to see it. By the way, if, if I was like, yeah, my, you know, one of my friends just was a turncoat and just slashed my partner in half and then kicked her off a giant <laughs> thing, and then you were like, hey, it's okay, we're going to make a statue to her. And you're like, fuck, fuck you, you man. I don't give a shit. That. Uh... <laughs> That's not what's important. It's like, hey, we're gonna make a statue, and then people. It does not make people me feel all bad. around are gonna pilgrimage so they can come see the statue. And you're like, I don't give a shit. Like, uh, my <laughs> life is over. <laughs> Fuck you, Tavares. Yeah. Uh, and Tavares like, I understand because my wife died too, basically. Yeah. And I was like, was Joda married to Jaya? I guess the, so. Apparently, apparently, we were just supposed to know that. I don't know. Um, so the funeral comes. After time has passed for a while, they made the statue, and Joda comes up to speak and can't get any of the words out. It's actually kind of sad to hear him try a bunch of different ways to explain how he's feeling, and it just none of it works. And um, then they kind of skip over to Fairy, says some nice things, and then he leaves with Sahili. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. and the way it's thrown in is like so Teferi and Sahili leave the like, funeral what like, the wait, fuck I'm like Sahili's scrolling here? back up being like what did I miss did they spell this wrong is Sahili here yeah. why is Sahili here what the <laughs> fuck is going on it's Sahili like Teferi was just talking about his wife so is he fucking Sahili now what is going on I'm so confused like I was so confused <laughs> It made <laughs> it just pops up yeah, out of nowhere. Like, they didn't even say like planeswalkers all over the multiverse came for the funeral because it was so important. And we see Chandra and we see this yeah, and we see this. Right, and Sahili's here. It could yeah. have been like two, three sentences, maybe like a tiny paragraph just to mention that and get it out of the way. No, it's just Sahili's there. And you're like, what? Um, <laughs> it's so, so weird. weird. And it's not even like Sahili's a character who's native to no. Dominaria. Sahili's so from like, Kaladesh. What are you doing? You're from Kaladesh. Uh, anyway, Teferi and Sahili leave the funeral and they go to a workshop. I think it's Joyra's and they're using it as their own because fuck Joyra, apparently. Um, and uh, yeah. Teferi climbs into this thing that Sahili has made for him. It's some sort of device that amplifies his time powers. And he says something about uh, he's never... I don't know, uh, cross the the paths of time, but he will now or something like that. So he's teleporting back in time to 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 the Brothers' War. That's by the way, didn't we fucking call this when we saw like it's the Brothers' War for whatever reason they're gonna have to go back in time and that's gonna be this we plot did. line of that. Like, I mean, it's kind of obvious it's Teferi and it's the yeah. Brothers' War, but it's like they kind of really just shoehorned that in at the yeah. end. But I mean, like. <laughs> Hey, if you didn't expect that, sure. It could have also easily been like, I don't know, they could have done a thing where Karin finds a book. No, not even Karin. Because he would have known he went through it. But somebody finds a book and they read about the Brothers' War and it's just for us to, to relive it. 
But this is Teferi going back to try to fix something. Um, how much do you want to bet? He tries to to save uh, Jaya that she's like alive or whatever. But like, he's gonna come back that far. It was. Oh, I'm gonna go back to the Brothers War to understand the Silex, which my understanding is that Sahili just recreated the Silex. Yeah, she's, and that's why she's right. There. She just made another one and kind of knows how to work it. But Karn is the only one who knows how to do it. But she learned as much as she could. And it's like pretty lame if if it's like, oh, there's this super powerful old artifact. And Johnny just crushes it in his hand. Sahili just remakes it. You're like what? <laughs> what was the point Come of that? On. So the Silex. What is the Silex? It was just so that was like it threw me off completely. Anyway, that's the thing. Teferi teleports back in time. Um, the very end of the story, uh, Karn is on New Phyrexia, and uh, no one else is there around him except for Elishnorn, of course. Uh, she has concocted this entire plan herself. Herself, probably. Um, she's going to take over the multiverse. That's what she wants to do. But someone that is really important to her is Karn, because she... Sorry, Karn is the great creator of Mirrodin, which is New Phyrexia. And she loves him, and they all love having him around because he is the robot planeswalker, which is all of them worship him. And when he was there the first time, uh, they all loved him, and, and that's why they corrupted him to be around them. He was liberated and all that stuff. So when he comes back, Elishnorn basically says, Welcome home, Daddy. <laughs> which I loved. Um <laughs> It was so gross and weird and like, oh, but uh, she does say that. I think Shieldred says something like uh, about that when they first meet in like mm-hmm. episode one, but then Ella Schnorn drives really it home. drives yeah. that home. She calls him father or dad, like And you're like, times. oh, are you guys fucking now? How, why is everybody fucking? <laughs> what is going on? Like, uh, Karn's like, who's your daddy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's when he rips off his, his dress thing and... anyway that's some weird fan fiction uh, comic porn you don't want to see (laughs) that's the 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 next storyline not the brothers war that's a tangent but after that it's karn and elish norn the first four chapters of just them in the bedroom uh anyway hey if you're into that please write it and come to our discord channel and post it because i will read that shit if you have any sort of weird (laughs) <laughs> Card, I probably won't read it. I'll, but, I'll give uh, you. I'll ask Zach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, we're at the end of Dominaria United's story. It's been a long journey tonight, a uh, long episode. Uh, can we get some final thoughts? Yeah. What uh, What did you think overall about the story? Pretty good. I like the Phyrexians as an enemy. I think they're sufficiently like gross, and like you, you know, kept saying about the the whole sleeper agent thing. I think that's a nice plot line where it's like you never know who you can trust and and all that it kind of falls apart at the end a little bit when he just randomly trusts a johnny but then that also doesn't matter Mm -hmm. i was like this seems like a weird way to end the whole trust plot that you've been building the whole time and i think my main criticism is like children never really does anything Mm -hmm. like there's no moment where like oh damn children is like powerful and is an enemy worth like fearing we just all fear her for some reason and then she never really does anything and she does this weird thing where she like 
her human body ejects from the dragon engine. I'm just imagining her like crawling because she's just like an upper torso. <laughs> and then like talking, all she does is like talk shit to Karn. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't really I don't know. And then radios out. It's like, <laughs> what is this? Um, so I wish there was a more of a moment of like, they're trying to battle Shieldred, but they can't because she's so powerful. Yeah. Like somehow Airtie was like, more the main villain than that's true she uh they also have a moment where her so her face is just a human face that she takes the skin off of and puts on her own face and there's she's like oh it's a bummer i like this one so much as they go through the portal because she knows it's going to get burned off um which was kind of Mm -hmm. interesting but yes you're right i think that maybe she wasn't that's she wasn't really the apocalypse that she was uh we thought that she was gonna be right she never actually does anything <laughs> she's just kind of dead half dead the whole time i like this one a lot more than the other ones i think um i think just from the beginning the way that karn is written i did enjoy some of the the pieces of him uh just the way he thinks and talking about how he works well by himself uh, away from other people and I don't know. Having him as the main character we we are dealing with just felt a little bit better than some of the other characters we've followed around um, who are maybe annoying or jokey. I don't know what. The, I was happy that there were less jokes. Definitely better than like the twins in Strixhaven. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> um, which is so teenage angsty. I did like that, and, and everything felt fairly cohesive. There there are some weird little things, but for the most part, it isn't like, and then we get this for no fucking reason. It's one of the better ones, I, I would say. As far as, so on a, on a scale from bronze to mythic, where do we put this story? From the one, from our scale, from ones we've seen. I think there's room for improvement, but it's one of the better ones that I think we've done in our Drunken Vorthos, so I'll, I'll give it that. I was going to say diamond as well. Um... I don't have extremely high hopes. It could be better, but I think the writing was was great. Langley Hyde was wonderful, and um, I'll probably maybe look into her stuff. If I see her name again, I'll be like, oh, that's the one I liked. Um, significantly. Right. Yeah. Be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Dominaria story. Uh, so much better than any of the Innistrad shit. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, much better than yeah. uh, Midnight Hunt. That's so. Uh, really, really happy with that. Um, anyway, Jeff, let's let's go to last call because this episode's still rolling. We got uh, we got a whole rating for all of our beers tonight, uh, so let's get into that. All right, last up to close out our silver series, we have Czech Bar. This is a Czech lager. Um, Super interesting on this one. Maybe you, you delved into it a little bit. You could tell us a little more. But this is Czech Far in North America. But I believe if if you're from Europe, this would just be called uh, Budvar or, or Budweiser. Uh, here in North America, we have a different thing that's called Budweiser. And so this is called Czech Far. Yeah. So I was looking this up. I was so confused because the first thing that when you type Chekfar into Google, it brings you to a website that's just Budweiser Budvar, and you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. And it looks the same. All the, <laughs> yeah. this, Everything looks exactly the same, uh, all the color schemes and everything, and the, the marketing, and you're like, 
what is going on? You're so confused. <laughs> the can says it's only brewed in the Czech Republic, and it's owned by the Czech Republic. Um, so I was trying to understand how it could have relations to Budweiser from the States. And I think there some of the beer is owned by Anheuser-Busch, which is confused. Uh, confusing because some of their websites have Anheuser-Busch on certain parts of it. So I get I like have no idea what's going on. But I think <laughs> that like at some point the beer was um, famous in Europe. Somebody comes over from Europe to uh, the North America, makes a beer called uh, Budweiser. Whether the recipe is the same or not, we don't really know. Pretty sure it's not exactly the same, but they wanted to call it Budweiser because it was famous over there and get people excited about it here. They can't market Czechvar here as Budweiser because Budweiser's here and they have copyright laws here, but over there they're different. Anyway, I do think this is a different beer. It is not the same recipe as Budweiser. So we can taste it and tell mm -hmm. because we do like Budweiser. So we may be able to know. It's true. <laughs> um, but it, it says nothing about rice in its, uh, its actual label. So I th think it's different. Yeah. One thing I find interesting about this can is it says alcohol 5.0% volume. And then right below that, 5%. The alcohol by volume. Mm -hmm. Can you just say that? <laughs> is this like an English-French thing? I think it's a, supposed to be French. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an English-French thing. Um, yeah, so it's 5%, and it uh, was founded in 1895, which is when Czechvar was being, uh, the name was being used. So this beer could have been made before that, but I just couldn't find uh, the right um, information about it. Anyway. Right. Cheers. These old beers are so hard to to find stuff about. Uh, so if you know really good beer websites or old, this one's stuff. downright recent, man. Nearly mm -hmm. nineteen hundred. Anyway, Jeff, let's rate some of these beers. I know we just started drinking this one, but uh, let's talk about our rating system for tonight. Normally, we're rating beers on a scale of bronze to mythic during our last call. But today, because it's a silver series, we rate them from silver four at the bottom to silver one at the top. And then the top silver beers will get pitted against each other in a future <laughs> Drunken Vorthos whenever yeah. that will happen. Um, isn't it lucky that all of our rating systems line up with the tier system in Arena? Like it just keeps happening. I don't so know. Yes. Serendipitous is the right the right word. I think that's I think that's right. It's really lucky for us to 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 fit right in there, um, especially because I've been playing in uh, draft around silver and gold, uh, four through one. I keep remembering. Oh yeah, uh, going up. The smaller numbers are better. That's right. <laughs> We're gonna start from silver four, moving to silver one. Would you like to go first in our silver four category? Which one of the four beers we have tonight? Let's let's do a round off real quick. Sorry, before we get into it, let's just remind everyone what we're drinking. Um, we started the night with Lowenbrow Original, then we had Hacker Peshore. Is that how you say it? Peshore. Um, Keller Bri Keller beer. Then we had. Um, Oh fuck! I, I said the name so well earlier. <laughs> what? How do you say that? Velkop. You said it better. What was the cool word? The cool name? I was thinking it's Velkorovishki. That sounds good. 
uh, Kozo. But I could be way off because, you know, I don't speak Czech. No, that was good. Velkodoroš Visky. Uh, yeah, kind of. Something <laughs> like that. Kozol. And then um, uh, Czechvar. Let's just call it goat. It's the goat. goat. It's the goat. It's one of the goats. Um, okay. All right. Jeff, silver four. Which beer do you have I at think, the bottom? I think my silver four, regrettably, is the Lion's Brew. Oh. Low and Brow. Mm-hmm. The way we started the night, I think. Low and Brow? I think that's my, my silver four. All right. Well, my silver four is the one we're drinking right now, Check Far. This thing. That sucks. Yes. Yeah, uh, that leads me really well into my my silver three because uh, I was between those two as my bottom mm-hmm. choices for sure. Um, so check far is uh, my silver three. Nice. Uh, that works. Really I, don't, w- I don't remember if we're snake drafting this, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I jumped in. No, we're just going back and forth. Um, this works really well because my <laughs> silver three was low and brow. That, that was not super great. There. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Boom. I, I basically had two buckets, so I had my my like mm-hmm. losers and my winners, and then I had to decide how I wanted to order those within each other. Yeah, um, I think I've decided okay. that my silver two. I think I know what you're gonna say. Okay, my silver two is the goat. It's Gazelle. Yep, I agree with you. The goat is number two, which means. Yes, we have a winner. We have a winner, and it's unanimous. Hacker Peugeot Mm -hmm. Keller Beer. Wow. Is the winner of tonight. Yeah, that was pretty good. Like as soon as I took my first sip, I'm like, okay. All right. This is great. I like this beer actually a lot. And I was thinking, maybe this isn't even a silver beer. It like kind of snuck its way into Mm -hmm. it says it's uh, unfiltered lager, but it was like, wait. I really like this a lot. Um, yeah. It, it might, when I bought it off the shelf, there were only a couple left. So I was like, it seemed either popular or a mistake that they ordered it. Right. But what a happy mistake. I, uh, I don't know. I liked it a lot. This is definitely the best of the evening. Um, more of these, please. This was, this is good. Yeah, like, that was a good one. Yeah. I'm going to have to try their, like, wheat beer now, whatever their flagship is. Right? Yeah. Let's go get a bunch of their stuff. This beer's been around forever, but go get it. Yeah. It, I don't know. Maybe this is one of the ones they have at Oktoberfest. I know Lowenbrow is one of the six beers they have at Oktoberfest because all the beers have to be from Munich or whatever. Um, right. But Hacker Pajor, or however you say that, the Keller beer, they could be. <laughs> I love Silver Series because we definitely butcher the names of like. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) it was a lot easier at first because we didn't have to. But now we're getting to the really, really, uh, really hard to say pronounced. Yeah. Today was like Germany versus the Czech Republic, I guess. Yeah. Um, And it looks like Germany had uh, had the winner and the loser. And the Czech kind of slid into the middle for me. Sandwiched, uh, (laughs) sandwiched it up. Yeah. I, I think yeah. that the Czech Var and the Low and Brow, they're interchangeable. Um, but it's, yeah. it's very obvious that uh, the Keller beer was the best. And then the Causal was uh, definitely worth getting. 
but uh, I probably don't need to drink these other two ever again. They are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Check far is definitely not Budweiser. <laughs> At least that's what, like, where my mind is. It'll be interesting to drink Bud around some of these other beers and be like, oh, they're definitely different tiers. Like maybe within silver, there's there's a whole bracket of these are great silver beers and these are like really bad ones. We'll find out whenever we go into that. One day we will stick with That'll us. That'll be actually when we're back on Dominaria. Mm-hmm. Like the next story about Dominaria. Yeah. Um, and not the Brothers War, but the next the next time when we Eldrazi come invade Dominaria. Ugh. No, they need a new villain. Honestly, let's get to a new villain. Um, I'm sure I had some closing thoughts about the story that I skipped over and don't remember anymore. Because I had some things to say that I said I was going to talk about at the end, but I didn't say them. Anyway, uh, let's go to closing time, Jeff. This episode is fucking long as hell. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Longest of all time? Yeah. It's long, the load. It's the load. Let's name our, our logger the load. Um, anyway. Uh, you can always find us at Arena Regulars on Twitter and Instagram if you want to talk about beers you think we should try, uh, stories you think we should read or talk about, or how our episodes are getting much longer than they should be. Yeah, you may also see us on MTG Arena itself. We'll be under the username Arena Regulars Podcast. If you want to talk to me personally, you can find me at Zulberg. That is Z-E-U-L-B-E-R-G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you? I have Twitter. It's Bluesbrews MTG. Um, but the best way to contact me is to join our Discord and message me on there. Yep. And the Discord is in the show notes down below. So please click those. It has the rest of our links as well. Also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere that you can leave a review. Do it. It's super helpful. Uh, it gets us um, seen by more people. And so the more people that see us, the more people will listen helps everybody this has been the arena regulars reminding you that joda and jaya were banging possibly and so are teferi and sahili i'm not sure good night all right that's fine